0: Hello and welcome everyone. Thanks. Hello, welcome to our regular board meeting. Uh, this is the March 26th board meeting. Thank you for being here this evening. Uh, we'll begin our meeting with the Pledge of Allegiance.
1: Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it
0: stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty
1: and justice for all.
0: Thank you for that. And with that, we have the regular uh, meeting of the board. Uh, The first thing I'll do, though, is, uh, let's see, this is March, and so we have a March meeting, an April meeting, and then a May meeting. So those students that still haven't attended a public meeting are probably starting to jam those into their uh, schedule. So by a show of hands, how many students are here because they're part of some class that requires them to attend a public meeting? All right. So, we did meet in January and in February. Um, no, we understand. Uh, with that, I'll turn to item B on the schedule, and that's the interim superintendent's report.
2: Thank you, Patton. so, uh, some really exciting news tonight. Scout Rice, a senior of Shawnee Mission East, earned a perfect composite score on the ACT. Uh, it's always fun to not only let you know about these, but to give the statistics around it. It's the highest possible score of the ACT exam. Perfect 36 composite is achieved by less than one tenth of one percent of all ACT test takers. Very special. Scout is not only an excellent student, she's also involved in a variety of activities at Shawnee Mission East, including the varsity drill team, the Harbinger Cross Country, and the IB Diploma Program. And I think we have for our two students that we have a short video. When
3: I found out about it, I was with my brother in my kitchen and I was on my phone and I looked at my score and then I screamed and it gave him a fright. I was surprised and it made me feel happy and kind of overwhelming because I never expected that. I'd like to thank my teachers and my friends, especially those in the IB program because everyone's very supportive and also my parents for being very supportive.
2: I hope scouts watch We have a second student, almost unbelievable. Who's there? You go. Who scored a perfect ACT? Amelia Mullen, a junior at Shawnee Mission South. Amelia enjoys calculus, wood shop, academic decathlon, and the Latin club. She participates in 4-H. She's exploring for her career the future in civil and mechanical engineering. And we also have a short video of Amelia too.
4: I checked my scores online on a uh, Saturday because uh, even though it didn't seem likely that it would come out on that day, I was rather anxious about finding out, and um, there they were. I think I might have given a little scream, to be honest. Um, I told my mom and my dad I was in my living room, and uh, then I texted some of my friends about it. And um, interesting how you get, like, absolutely immediate replies when you get a 36. (laughs) I've basically been studying since winter break. And then definitely my classes have helped me somewhat, especially my English class with Mr. Gatewood, and um, last year my pre-calculus class with um, Ms. Bass, and even my current calculus class with Mr. Laverne. Ask for help from your teachers. Um, I went and asked my teacher I had last year for pre-calc for anything that she could give me to help study for the math portion, and um, she gave me a really helpful packet of formulas and things that are good to know, and I think that definitely helped me a lot. I haven't picked out a school yet, but I'm fairly certain I want to major in engineering, probably either civil engineering or mechanical engineering. My mom and my dad, and my sisters, Liz and Kathleen, and then all of my teachers I've had, but especially Ms. Fast, Mr. Gatewood, and Mr. Laverne, and probably Mr. Hodge, too. Well, I've been asked that before, and I've told them only if it comes to the point where you can get a 37.
2: So congratulations to both of those accomplished students and, and, as Amelia said, also congratulations to all of their teachers. Uh, and I'm going to go back as far as kindergarten that helped them be prepared for this as, we, as they move forward. So always oh, a fun time when we can make that announcement. Daisy Boland, a senior at Shawnee Mission East, is the Kansas Student Journalist Student of the Year as named by the Kansas Scholastic Press Association. Her work was evaluated by former high school publications advisors, university instructors, and professional journalists. She received a scholarship check for $1,250 as the overall winner. Bowling's portfolio advances now to be judged at the National Journalism Education Association Committee that will name a national winner sometime in the upcoming April. Um, Good luck, Daisy. Middle school students earned top honors at the recent Rube Goldberg Competition uh, sponsored by Black and Veatch. Um, middle school, Indian Woods Middle School students earned the first place award and the People's Choice Award. Hocker Grove Middle School students earned the third place award. The Rube Goldberg Competition organizes, organizers asked students to create a complex machine to complete a simple task. This year's STEM challenge I should have in my house, is the challenge of building a machine that would pour a bowl of cereal. As long as they get the milk with it, that'll be great. Three of our students will advance to the National Junior Science and Humanities Symposium in May. They earn the opportunity after taking part in the Kansas-Nebraska-Oklahoma Regional Junior Science and Humanities Symposium. And biotechnology and all Shawnee Mission signature programs. Students who explore project-based learning opportunities, where students work on specific problem or project-based or a complex challenge, to prepare for the competition, the students collaborated with professional mentors at Cerner, KU Med Center, and UMKC. We congratulate the following students who advanced to nationals: Lindsay, Lindsay Chavez. Sonny Mission West and Biotech Signature Senior, uh, Stewie Daly Dalal, uh, da da Lal. Sonny Mission East Junior, and Rachel Silverstein, Sonny Mission West Biotech Signature Program Senior. So congratulations to those kids and the excellence that they um, have been involved in. This was a fun one. Elementary and high school project lead the way students explore aerospace engineering together. We had somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 65 third graders from Comanche come over to uh, the Center for Academic Achievement. The elementary students were studying flight as a part of Project Lead the Way launch module. They came over and they worked with students in the aerospace engineering program here at the Center for Academic Achievement. They explored air components, flight simulators, gliders in flight, GPS navigation, air traffic control, aircraft trim, and parachutes. Um, Again, pretty amazing. I'm not sure that many of us were involved in those kinds of activities in third grade. Enrollment for our summer school enrichment program uh, classes vary, including art, music, technology, science, and theater. All children are welcome to enroll, whether they live inside the Shawnee Mission School District boundaries or not. The enrollment opens uh, open Tuesday, March 20th, 2018, and will continue to remain open until the classes begin this summer. Mission Northwest Athletic Director uh, Angelo Jacaloni was honored by the state organization as the District 3 Athletic Director of the Year by the Kansas Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. He was nominated by his peer and selected by a committee of former and current athletic directors. He'll be formally honored at the Spring KIAA Conference in April. Congratulations to Angelo for the hard work um, he does on a day-to-day basis to provide great opportunities for our students. Thanks go to him. ASD awarded Johnson County a $7,500 grant for unified recycling education and outreach. Um, I know Joan Levins would would be glad we received this, and I'm sure she's probably intricately involved in it. But these are partnerships between Gardner, Lenexa, Merriam, Mission, Mission Hills, Aletha, Prairie Village, Roland Park, Shawnee, Spring Hill, Westwood Hills, and the Shawnee Mission School District. The kickoff meeting was held actually this afternoon, and they began to identify the campaign goals. The grant will pay for any direct mailing costs that we have, and we'll keep you posted on that progress. I'm also happy to say, and we've reported this before, but we currently have all of our schools in our district that are participating in the recycling program. Uh, We're the only school district in the county that has 100% participation. And you will find as you walk around the Center for Academic Achievement, you'll see um, a recycle bins. None of us have trash cans anymore, so not only do we get to walk and get our steps in, But we also get to recycle, and we've received challenges from some of the elementaries. If we're not doing well, we hear about that. So thanks to Joan and all of her work and all of the work with um, our staff in the buildings, our custodians do a great job with the program, um, and very proud of that. Very quickly, our construction update as we get closer and closer to the end of our $223 million bond issue our Lenexa Hill School is a little, Bob tells me, is a little bit ahead of schedule. That's uh, we'll have those uh, that building rather than maybe in July when, when we normally get them, we hope, by the end of May or in June, which will, will allow us to transition. As you know, we have no um, plan B. Those students will show up the first day whether we're ready or not. So I'm glad to say that we're on uh, a little ahead of schedule. Brookwood continues to make progress. The the weather has slowed us down a little bit, but again, we're planning at the Brookwood School to open sometime during the school year as we've done with some of our other schools. And the Aquatic Center is well underway, um, and we uh, believe that we're still on schedule even though we are a little over a year away from it opening. Uh, You can see in the picture there one of the huge buttresses that will hold the uh, dynamic beams that run across the, the center and I've been assured when they line those up um, about 300 feet away from each other that, that they'll be perfectly aligned so we're going to trust them. Um, very similar to, to the arch in St. Louis so um, we're excited about that work. I would mention in addition to that we have, uh, aside from these projects, We have about $23 million left of projects that we had identified in the bond issue that we'll be working on a lot of those this summer. And that's a variety of things from HVAC to uh, remodels and some of the things that you're going to approve tonight uh, that we'll talk about with the action items. So uh, we are coming to the end between now and about a year from now with those projects and very proud of what we've been able to deliver to our communities. Very important. Last Thursday, KCUR hosted a town hall meeting to discuss the important issue of safety in our schools. Uh, um, It is not a surprise to anyone, I think, in our school, in our community, in these um, bordering states, in the metro area, or across the country, that this is an issue that we will continue to work on. Um, We had the opportunity. There was a reach out from KCUR for us to be able to host this community forum. It really was not um, our project but we opened our doors in the Shawnee Mission School District to host and we actually um, were able to loan a student from Shawnee Mission East Juliana Cantor an instructor from, and that's Shawnee Mission I think that's Shawnee Mission Northwest it should be Uh, Shawnee Mission East, teacher David Muhammad and then of course our executive director of safety and security, uh, there was very vibrant discussion. Community um, questioning. Um, it was a, a moderation of the panel. We had great discussion back and forth. Um, I was. We had about a hundred people in the room, but it was also a podcast. So, um, if you go out and you look at uh, no wrong answers, in KCUR eighty nine point three, you'd have an opportunity to listen to that podcast. If you want. Some really great discussion about not only actions that we've taken in the school district over the last several years to make our schools safer, but also what the reaction is to our students and to our parents as a result of that. and It became very clear through the night, and I've had this conversation with Mr. Stratton, that there really kind of were two issues uh, that we're dealing with right now, and one of those is um, gun control, And the other is um, the promotion of guns in school. And those were really the two issues. But what I took away from that was that there are other issues that are there as well. One of those being mental health. And um, I'm happy to say that we have reached out as a group of um, superintendents in the Johnson County area. And we are in the process of bringing the stakeholders together in Johnson County to decide what we can do around this issue. Um, this is a school issue because the students are here, but it's a community issue. And it, we believe that it, it will take not only school, it'll take community, it'll take our county, it'll take our state, and it'll take our country for us to be able to make a dent and solve some of this problem. I think Mr. Mohammed said it very clearly that this is not something that will go away uh, in the next few months. This will be something we'll be dealing with and trying to wrestle with these issues. But it's my hope that uh, not only the school board and the school officials, as we look at how we keep our schools safe, but that we can begin to look on what we can do to prevent things from happening, not just respond to them when they do happen. So, again, um, it was it was a great evening. Um, I felt like that... Um, the opportunity to have our students be able to share how they felt in our community um, was wonderful. In addition to that, it was great because our students uh, ran the technology that night. They tw- tweeted out uh, the forum. They did. Uh, we had a student from me that actually did the introduction. I'm um, being a little long-winded about it, I know, but it really left an impression with me. And, and uh, uh, Later on in the evening under board comments, if there are any board members that want to make a comment about that, I think that would be great. Leading right into that, following the tragic events in Florida, as you can imagine, uh, is not a surprise. The media are really interested in the Shawnee Mission School District and, and what we are doing um, around safety for students. John Douglas actually, uh, who's spent more than 45 years in, in, with law enforcement experience, has worked very closely with us to refine our protocol. Um, actually, um, Fox 4 came out and did a report with John, and we want to show that video tonight um, to the people in the audience and also to our public. And then um, I'm going to ask uh, John to come forward a little bit after that and talk about another initiative that we were recently involved in. So we can play the video.
5: I'm told the work is never done. Each active shooter situation or any emergency situation is always different, which is why schools are constantly needing to update protocol. In recent years, the Shawnee Mission School District says it's intervened in three different instances that could have become active shooter situations. Tips from staff and students helped prevent tragedy. And now...
6: I think everybody in the country is on edge more than than usual because of what happened in Parkland. John
5: Douglas is the executive director of emergency services for the Shawnee Mission School District.
6: Every time there is a shooting, we take it apart and look at it and see what happened.
5: He says the three main things he's discussed with school leaders are surveillance, perimeter control, and active shooter training. They stepped up their efforts in surveillance, trying to gain information on potential threats to schools.
6: We undertook an extensive security overhaul three and a half years ago, and we started with a bond issue. And and, um, one of the reasons I was hired was to come here and to... Revamp totally the security systems for the school district
5: the district installed a sophisticated camera and locking system which allows them to see what's going on and do a variety of different things
7: there are seventeen hundred kids in the school and it's impossible to know
5: everyone one teacher at shawnee mission west says hearing the news of the parkland shooting really shook her
7: it was really heartbreaking because you hear about Uh, students dying and they're the same age uh, as students that we work with. And the security at her school. It's something that everyone in the country needs to think about and when you work in a school you do feel like you're kind of at risk it's an at risk environment douglas
5: says they are doing well in their security efforts but says they always have to be on guard
6: you can't sit back and think okay we have it fixed now because it's not like that it is a constant effort to try to stay certainly even and hopefully ahead of, of an active shooter we are dedicated to doing the very best we can to protect everyone's children
5: Douglas says all of the active shooter situations were prevented thanks to tips from students or staff. Melissa Stern, Fox 4 News.
6: Well, one of the things we'd like to mention is, while well, we put most of our effort, a considerable amount of our effort, into the prevention of these, which is where I think it should go in a variety of different ways. We also have to be prepared for the worst case, for the doomsday. We need to be able to recognize and stop an incident as just as fast as we possibly can. and One of the ways we do that is to train extensively with uh, outside agencies and our own staff working in cooperation. And I'd like to ask uh, Captain Mark Schmidt to come up and give you a very brief summary of the, our efforts over spring break uh, and they're reflective of several times a year that, that we do these drills. Mark.
8: Good evening. Um, one of the things we do at spring break, we our officers don't go home, we train all through spring break and um, the biggest training we do, this is the fourth year that we've been doing it since the chief and I have been here. and uh, We host the active shooter training for one week in one of our buildings. Um, this year we elected to try a different venue and that was a church because of course those are uh, soft targets and we thought we should try something different so us and then yeah, Almost all the police agencies in northeast Johnson County participated this year, along with the emergency medical people and the fire people. And those of you who have maybe walked through some of our training, uh, it's very realistic. It's uh, It takes your breath away. It gets the adrenaline going. It's very loud. The fire alarms are on. The music is playing. We have lots of actors there. This year, the actors came from uh, Johnson County Sheriff's Office um, Citizens Academy. A lot of the Blue Eagle students were actors, as well as some of the students just from the high schools that are in touch with their officers there and wanted to help and participate. So we train with that every year. We use SIM guns. They're very real looking. They they function normally. They fire, except they shoot uh, paint balls. And it hurts when you get shot with a paintball. So uh, the training's very realistic for us. What was uh, important this year, I noticed a couple new agencies coming on board with us. We learned to train with officers from every department. So we're mixed up all the time. When we go into the scenario inside that's active, it's always with somebody different. And the purpose of that is to learn to do exactly what we're supposed to do when we get inside and able to do it with anybody that's with us. Uh, We also practice uh, triaging. So uh, we assisted uh, the fire personnel in a tragic fit like this, how to go in, get people out, go back in, get more people out, and evaluate the situation live and ongoing. It's so loud in this one this year that the officers couldn't hear each other talk. So we had to hold on to each other, uh, just in order to communicate. Communication was harder, and that's the real that's the real deal. The fire alarms are going to be going. There may be smoke. Uh, this one there was music playing, very loud, and this made it work harder and uh, be very effective at what we do. This is something we do regularly. We always do it during spring break. We do some other training similar to that throughout the year on in-service days. It may be as simple as uh, the one of the command posts telling us where someone is in a building and trying to guide us through the building just walking to try to locate them. That hones our skills with our people that are sitting at the front desk with the officers that are in the building, so we can load people in there. One officer didn't attend this year. We have uh, one officer that is uh, NASRO instructor. That's the National Association of School Resource Officers. Chief Douglas and I require every officer to be a NASRO certified officer. Officer Woolen uh, is on our department and teaches nationally at the NASRO uh, level and and actually teaches in a few countries worldwide so officer woolen was excused to go teach in des moines iowa during spring break but the rest of us all participated in that training any questions
9: I have one and it stemmed from the podcast from kcur last week the student that was on the panel there mentioned having like lockdown drills which i know they do have but at different times of the day, at lunch, passing period, and that sort of thing. Is this in place, or is this something that we're going to
6: pursue? We're working on it. We're working on the active shooter um, code red drills. When we first came, the technology was to announce a code red, look at the three options that we had, and put those out there. But all of us came from law enforcement that's very familiar with that, those three principles, and so consequently it never really dawned on us that more explanation should be given. So now we're not only are we doing the code red drills at least five times a year, which would be every semester plus one, but during that code red drill, we're going to um, spend a small amount of time, three or four minutes, going over those options and what they mean each and every time so the students and all the teachers remain familiar with it. And we're also heeding their advice and, and trying to do it at periods of time when they're not all in their classrooms. Some are in the lunchroom. Some may be in the library. We're mixing that up. So we're becoming more sophisticated in all aspects of it, and that's the repetition that you break down after every event and in between and try to improve each time.
2: Thank you. And I'd I'd like to add to that that I've had conversation with Mr. Douglas over the last couple of weeks about a couple of things, and that is stepping up the training that we have uh, for our students to go past just the drill and being able to take time to do that um, as a very important part of the curriculum, but also uh, some recommendations for us to be able to look at Um, a day or so in the district where we would be able to do district-wide training across all of our buildings so that our staff uh, would be available to for that training. And we believe in our conversations this is something that we will need to do on an ongoing basis because we have staff that come and staff that go, and all of our staff need to be aware of what the protocols are moving forward. So you will hear over the next... Uh, couple of months, some dialogue that we'll have with our teachers with respect to some days for planning uh, primarily for safety training across the district.
0: Other questions? I,
10: I oh, yes. Uh, thank you, Chief. So are you tracking the data on the buildings that are doing the Code Red so we know that they're all uniformly hitting that goal of five per academic calendar so that we can look at that and say see that we're doing it? Or is that just like a projected goal? Or
6: Well, the responsibility to pull the drills uh, is up to the principals. And the reason for that is each school has critical times that, that even though a drill is important, it would... They can't do it in the middle of testing. They can't do it in some other time. So we let the principals who really need to control that control that. But in discussions with Dr. Hubbard, she and I are both staying on top of that to make sure that that commitment is met. And it was not being met to my satisfaction prior, but I'm certain after our discussions we've had a bunch with the principals. uh, I think that we'll be fine.
2: Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you very much. We appreciate all your work.
2: Now it's time for our All Means All-Star Award winners for this month. We have two like in the past. I'd like to invite Drew Lane to come forward and introduce our first recipient.
11: really excited to introduce Bryce Rogers to you tonight. Uh, Sometimes the work that we do as IT people seems to never get noticed until it doesn't work right. (laughs) And this is one of those rare instances where I get to introduce you to somebody who is recognized because it did go right and people noticed that it went right. Bryce Rogers works as an A2 analyst for the ICT team. What does that even mean, right? So A2 means that he, is, he, he possesses a certain skill set that allows him to communicate readily with our field analysts as well as our customers, and then translate some of that back to us when we're trying to develop solutions or whatever, and then translate the solutions we come up with back to the field. But he also has his feet grounded squarely in troubleshooting. And, and so that's really kind of at the heart and soul of what he was nominated for this evening. He did a tremendous job of helping us troubleshoot some, some uh, problems with some assistive technology. Did a fantastic job. And I guess also you have to you have to mention you'll see this, uh, but Bryce is also a very he's a great guy he's a great guy, he's really nice to be around he, he has, has a smile on his face he has positive things to say he's the kind of person you you know you want to be around, and so without any further ado I think we have a video about Bryce. You know, he's always got a smile on his face. He's happy to see people. He's eager to help. He goes above and beyond to make sure that the uh, the solutions he offers are actually you know work well. Really, that's kind of why uh, you know Bryce is one of our shining stars. Is he embodies
8: those those things for us? It's really nice to have a technician meet you with a smile on his face and willing to say yeah I'm ready to help and Bryce is one of those kind of people that makes
0: my job easier at the help desk it certainly hopefully makes the classroom easier for the
12: teachers and um, you know gets everybody back on track and up and working.
5: Last year at East we were having some issues with a program called Tactile View which is a math program that helps us draw circles and squares and other pie charts and different things on the computer and Bryce said I bet, I bet it's a firewall issue. So he he was the one that finally got it resolved. And then this year we needed it installed over here, and he was the one that just happened to be here that day. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's already he's already he knows he already knows what's going on. So he was able to do it that day. And then even at Indian Hills when I was there, we had gotten our embossers, and he was the one that set those up for us. So he's he's done quite a bit of work for me, and I know that other brailleists have benefited from his work. Also. So. From elementary school into college, assistive technology must be used efficiently and regularly by the visually impaired student because if it is not used, then success cannot be achieved and i would not be as successful as i am today if i did not have said technology you do good work bryce continue to do such work congratulations bryce good job
12: hey bryce we just wanted to say thanks for all
11: you do you do a great job appreciate it hey bryce fantastic news i'm glad it's you way to go congratulations
1: Stuff down <laughs> um, uh, thanks for honoring me with the all Star award. <clears throat> um, I just want to thank my family for supporting me uh, all the people you don't see that work with technology, all the iCT staff um, we like working in the shadows, so this is really. Uh, <laughs> Um, I really, really, really enjoy my job here. It's like the first time in my life I ever had like a job I really love. Um, I love troubleshooting, figure out, stopping all those problems that people have. Um, I tried to use this as a bargaining trip to uh, get all the uh, network people's technology, so I don't have to everything myself. Um, but uh, thanks again. It was a great honor. Thank you.
2: The award winner will be introduced by Principal Teddy Pinland at Blue Jacket Flint Elementary School. Teddy, if you come forward.
13: Good evening. Well, not only do I get to endorse Michelle Brown, who is our all-means all-star from Blue Jacket Flint, but I get to introduce the introductory, come on up. an introductor,
14: Sunny Haberlin. She's Thanks. a fifth-grade teacher at Blue Jacket Flint. Michelle Brown's official title is Instructional Coach at Blue Jacket Flint. However, she does so much more. We recognize her as a mentor, listening ear, teacher, mathematician, presenter, a leader, a researcher, a reader, a technology expert, but above all, she's patient, reassuring, and kind, exemplifying what it means to be a Thunderbird and the recipient of this award. During Michelle's time at BJF, I'm not sure she's ever said no to anyone. Each day students and staff are filing in and out of her office with a list of questions, from the simplest iPad questions to more complex questions about teaching strategies and analyzing data that she works to solve with little delay and always a smile. She's willing to work with anyone, classroom teachers, special education teachers, specialists and students, no matter the level of proficiency. Students and teachers are consistently asking for help, but no question goes unanswered with Michelle. In her first year, she played an integral role in helping our school receive a $10,000 grant from Code.org to create a makerspace that she now leads. Monthly, Michelle creates lessons that can be completed in the makerspace, including coding activities with Dash, Dot, and Ozobot robots. Michelle aligns STEAM activities to the standards being taught in each of our classrooms. For example, the first graders designed ladders inspired by their work with plants that were then printed using a 3D printer and tested with Lego people. She's also assisted us in the implementation of Project Lead the Way, not only in our school but across the district. We collaborate to implement a robotics and automation unit in conjunction with ELA standards to create an engaging unit and successful science project. She digs into our standards with proficiency and our resources to gather materials to assist our instruction. Michelle assists us in finding high-impact skills, like understanding words and word parts, to increase learning opportunities for our students. This year, Michelle has also taken on a math extension group for fifth and sixth graders each morning. She puts on her teacher hat to engage a group of students in a pre-algebra course. She has the patience of a saint. What I think is an immense, unyielding degree of patience, especially in times of difficulty when my teammate and I are in panic. No problem is too small or too large for Michelle. She respects us all, including the students, even when the problems may seem easy to others. Michelle is passionate about hands on experiences with our students. She's taken a leadership role with Project Lead the Way, Engage New York, Trauma Smart, our incredible makerspace, just to name a few. Michelle's open door policy makes her one of our favorite teachers and leaders at Blue Jacket Flint. Because she respects the contributions of everyone, This award going to Michelle is easy and we're proud to recognize Michelle this evening as the All Means All Star. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Michelle is great. She was new to Learning Coach Job when I was new to Blue Jacket Flint three years ago. She was just a smiling face and now she's more than just an instructional coach. I I would call her um, one of my close friends. She is the definition of all means all. She gives everyone dignity. No question is stupid to Michelle. Um, She helps us uh, dive into our standards, figure out what we should be teaching with the kids, helps us lesson plan. She is just incredible in every area, whether it's working
13: with kids, whether it's working with staff, She is amazing and she does it with a smile on her face. I don't think I've ever seen Michelle not smile. She's just a yes person and does everything um, above Above and beyond of what you you would expect of her,
15: she's like one of those fun teachers that you really want to get in the next grade, and everybody's talking about her.
3: She teaches you by showing you, and I like it because after she shows you, she lets you do it too, and she makes sure you understand what you're doing. She's the
15: kind of teacher that that would just
3: like stop and
13: would focus all her attention on you. She gets the students motivated to do all of the project-based learning. It was her brainstorm that got our makerspace going and all of those incredible things that go on in
3: there. I love this school because of the makerspace and
14: how fun it is to come here. She's just so encouraging to all of us. Um, I think we all would like to be um, like her patience um, and
3: her expertise. Congratulations, you really are an all-star. Michelle,
13: congratulations for earning our district's All Means All-Star award, you deserve it more than anyone and you work hard and it shows and we just want you to know how much we appreciate you.
3: Congratulations Mrs. Brown, I'm so glad you
14: got that award, I think you earned it. Michelle, this award um, is not just for you being um, a great instructional coach, but also being a great friend and mentor to me. Um, I was new to fifth grade when I came to Blue Jacket Flint and I think that I've become a better teacher because of you, so thanks.
16: really something so thank you. Um, I love my job and um, uh, Sunny was so nice to say a lot of the things that I do and since I have become an instructional coach um, sometimes when I'm out you know in public and you meet people they say what do you do and sometimes I just say I'm a teacher because it's easier because when you say I'm an instructional coach people say well what does that mean you know and really um, what it boils down to is just supporting And helping the teachers, and that's what, and serving them, you know, however you can, because they work so hard. And I, like, I wanna just point out my amazing teachers that are in the back. I've got like two rows of fantastic people that gave up their time tonight. But they gave up their time tonight to come and support me, and that's the kind of people that I work with, and that's what makes my job easy and why I love it. So thank you so much for this tonight.
2: Always a fun part of the night, and uh, thanks to all um, that participated. And that concludes my presentation. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We now move on to uh, item C1, which is our legislative update. And uh, I'll turn to Dr. Southwick, who will probably introduce some of the other folks.
2: So Dr. Stuart Little, our active lobbyist, been a little bit busy in Topeka lately with all of the news that we've had. Um, we as Just a reminder of the board, we have this as a standing position on our agenda. as a presentation from Stuart to give us a monthly update. And um, I know some of what he's going to talk about tonight, so um, I think it'll be interesting to hear it and to get some of the reaction from the board. So Stuart, thanks for being here
17: happy to be here. Um, Thank you. I'll uh, go over kind of where we are uh, and talk about some specific bills and some of the issues that are going on. If I uh, can't answer some of your questions, I'll get back to you. Um, There's clearly and obviously been a great deal going on between um, the finance study that came out just a a week ago. It seems like a month ago, Uh, a week ago, Uh, the work that was done in committees in the last uh, week or so. Where we are in the process, we're 11 days from the end of the regular session. They'll adjourn on the 6th of April. That's the way the schedule reads now. Come back on the 26th and begin the veto session. Briefs to the Supreme Court on school finance are due on the 30th of April, so there's a lot of work to be done in the next 11 days, which is, I think, the underlying theme of a lot of stuff I'm going to talk about. Um, We are, um, uh, at this point there are the the house and the senate are on the floor working bills then they're going to meet and negotiate between bills and run those out we've got economic development healthcare bills moving a few but there are also the budget bills making their way through the process. There's tax policy that's being discussed and then the school finance finally within the last, about Thursday of last week we started putting together some school finance bills. One of the g- great challenges of this process is this is in some ways a systems, an organizational issue. How do you make all these things that have to work together work together and come to conclusions sometimes when when some of the people don't want them to come to those conclusions. So what happened was we've gone into this conversation now with the, the the, the the finance expert uh, giving us a recommendation that to make uh, progress and achieve uh, greater student, student assessment scores and higher graduation rates, we need to invest somewhere between $450 million and $2 billion to reach those goals. And that's kind of the message that was given to the legislature. The conversation has been... What are those goals? What do those goals need to be and how long do we have to implement that? What do we? How do we set realistic goals to move forward? So there's a lot of conversation going on kind of behind the scenes about, about what, how we do that. The education committees are putting together bills right now to do that. I would mention just briefly note on the tax on the revenue side, there's a lot of conversation about how do we fund what we're talking about. There are... In the 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 world of, of on the revenue side of equations, there are a couple of things. Changes in federal tax law are supposed to uh, benefit the state to the tune of about 130 million dollars because of some of the federal changes. There, the, we're right now, I think, at least 200 million, maybe more, over estimates for revenue that we're supposed to be bringing in. There is a, a bill on internet sales tax that is uh, was is going to be passed eventually because, frankly, it's part of the solutions. We're there's a Supreme Court decision from a South Dakota case that should get a ruling uh, soon that will kind of update the internet sales tax ruling. Last one is from 1992, so there, this is how we do commerce now, so that's going to change. That will bring in somewhere over $80 million a year. Uh, there's other issues that are other revenue sources out there, so there's money there that, that, that already exists. There's some differences of opinion between the House and the Senate and their tax committees. Nobody's passed anything yet. That's the challenge I come back to. We're 11 days from the end, and nobody's passed anything yet. At. so we're kind of in the process now of of sorting through what's going on in the in the 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 education committees and I'll talk about that revenue and tax and the budget are going to work their way through But um, I'll talk a bit about a few of the the, the issues that are coming up uh, the, one of the the first things that I would mention I think following up on mr. Douglas's conversation There's been some attention paid to the the House bill 2789 there's a companion bill Senate bill 454 which is uh, which are the bills that would uh, deal with uh, guns and, and teachers and school safety describes as a school safety program I would note this all began when there was uh, an, uh, an effort to implement a, a gun awareness gun safety program that began in a bill early in the session after the parkland shooting in Florida that was pulled back and they revised oh we need to have a broader perspective on on school safety and that bill 2773 which has uh, which has a much more limited scope but it allows it re- allows us School, a gun safety education program, but it can be of your choosing. It doesn't have to be any one specific program as long as it's an evidence based practice. (coughs) Excuse me, it also allocates $5 million for security upgrades, uh, has uh, coordination with the State Department of Education. That bill is up on the House floor for debate tomorrow, 2773. That bill came out of committee. But more significantly, House Bill 2789 which was kind of the bigger version when they sat down, the folks that are interested in this put this legislation together. It's going to have a requirement that the State Department of Education coordinate security planning, can coordinate standards, that uh, you all would have to have a a security plan in consultation with local law enforcement. Many of these things are done already, and I understand that. But it would also create, most importantly, within the concealed carry process, it would create a special endorsement that uh, someone with training could obtain and then they would be able to carry concealed on a, in, a, in a school district uh, if the, the the district so authorized, it has provisions that would attempt to prohibit an insurance company from being unfair in the rates it would set for a school district that allowed those that practice. It would have the firearm safety, like we've talked about as well. I think it, it does also include the language uh, in it that would presume negligence if you did, if a district did not uh, have teachers or staff, I should say that would have those permits. Um, I would note that um, the committee met this afternoon, those of you that like transparency see all this stuff, the committee met this afternoon in a hastily announced conference and went through the uh, the provisions of the bill basically it 's a staff briefing what happens every time there 's a bill, and they, uh, so the staff their staff briefed them on the contents of the bill, bill done first and foremost to free up time tomorrow for a conversation uh, for for folks coming to testify but it was, it was interesting to note the room was full of uh, of uh, insurance industry lobbyists, and the conversation was along the lines of let 's figure out some way to everyone 's realized that the, the the presumptive negligence is the is a, is a negative issue, and so there's going to be some con... The, some con we're, we're arming people to have... That's the wrong metaphor. We're preparing people to uh, be able to address those issues when they come up, and that's uh, sometimes how things go in Topeka. And um, I, I will note for the record that uh, uh, Dr. Atha is going to appear and provide testimony, and, and Mr. Stratton, I believe you wanted to have some comments about that.
0: Yeah, uh, the committee meets tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., and uh, we've, been, uh, we've all been asked to provide testimony, and so we got together this weekend and put together a testimony that was due at 8 a.m. this morning. I'm going to read an excerpt from the testimony that Dr. Atha will provide tomorrow, and this testimony is in opposition of House Bill 2789. House Bill 2789 has been clearly described by the others testifying, and we are aware of the provisions of the bill. We have no objections to the development of the standards in the planning. We, however, oppose the creation of the special endorsement to license to a license that would allow staff to carry a concealed weapon in schools. We are also opposed to Section 15E2 that threatens to punish school districts with enhanced financial burdens if they fail to arm teachers. In the Shawnee Mission School District, the safety and security of our students is paramount to ensure a productive learning environment. Both teachers and students must feel safe. In the Shawnee Mission School District, we've designed and implemented a state-of-the-art security plan. We did this without the threat of a statute asserting, asserting negligence without arming staff and without statewide standards or plans. As our Interim Superintendent, Dr. Southwick, said at our last meeting, arming teachers is not the answer. That's an excerpt from our testimony. This testimony will be made available on our website this evening under the legislative tab, and it'll be presented both uh, in written form and then tomorrow by Dr. Atha. But we wanted to share that with you tonight.
17: Thank you. And, and the, the hearing room has been moved, by the way, to a larger room, so we're going to be in room 112. Those of you that listening online, which is one of the great benefits of this legislative session, is you can tune in and, and, and hear or watch, frankly, so much now. So uh, it will be uh, online uh, on the legislature's website. I would note, in terms of talking about some other themes, and please stop me if you have questions, but there, there has been a group organized, this is interesting in this kind of environment, had a, a group organized called the Kansas Coalition for Fair Funding, which is a group of people who are opposed to spending more money on schools and supportive of a constitutional amendment instead, and they're gathering up uh, supporters to try to do that, and they're funded by the usual dark money sources that have uh, funded these projects in the past, and they're working on that. So that 's going to be one other issue, kind of complicating things because there's some folks that are where a constitutional amendment may be the the way they want to go i 'll talk briefly about some specific not in detail about some bills, but just to give you a sense, both the house and the the house k twelve budget committee and the Senate Select Committee are putting together bills that are taking components from a lot of other bills and i when you when you look at the list of bills that i've i've sent probably half of them have been introduced into these uh, these bills but they're building the bills that will address the equity issues so for example like the list of things that the supreme court said were uh, that they would not accept the 10% floor on at-risk, using prior year assessed valuation to do calculations, those kinds of things. Uh, those are all being uh, inserted into bills, and so the House committee met last week, they met today, and added four more things into it, and then they'll meet again tomorrow to add. So they're putting together the bills that are essentially the equity fix, doing some things that that, that we want to see, changing the transportation formula from what it was before to uh, the, to the into the realm where I can't explain it, but how a curve gets rounded and we don't have to uh, estimate numbers. Also, uh, one of the things that was beneficial for us last uh, year and other school districts was the high density at risk by school Uh, rather than by district that provision today yesterday there was an amendment or today was an amendment that uh, no it was Friday sorry I lose track of days that um, that takes the sunset off of that provision so that would be a permanent part of the the school finance formula going forward Um, taking out uh, the the transportation weighting, or or making those changes to that the um, the the those bills are still in committee. They haven't been passed out of committee. The Senate committee is going to meet again on Wednesday morning. Uh, the House committee will meet tomorrow. So, But that's only part of the equation. That's the equity components that the court wants to see back. We still haven't done the, the, the adequacy and talked about how much money is going to go in and how it will be spent. There are a lengthy list of bills. I think some of the things that have been stopped in the last couple of weeks are worth noting. Uh, the, um, uh, not that this is uh, not, a, not an issue but kind of modified to a much more useful format dyslexia task force is going to bring together the experts and teachers and parents to figure out what needs to be done with that whether, rather than going down the way the original bill which was really wide open about, about a diagnosis and we get into all kinds of cost issues and controlling things in that issue the bill that was going to uh, require uh, sign language and braille services and, and homeschool and in private schools and in those locations and take away your ability to, to work and provide those services in the best place possible. Uh, that bill uh, did not get out of committee. Uh, the inspector general bill that was going to set up a special inspector to investigate uh, school districts, that bill was killed in committee last week. So we're, we're, we're kind of winnowing through a lot of bills, we're getting the equity part done, but we don't have a revenue source and we don't have a finance bill and we're 11 days from the end of the regular session. And. So so i think there are there's a lot of work to be done i know there are people working very hard on putting together the bill uh, the bills, but once the House and the Senate bills aren't going to be the same bill, so we're going to have to get together and negotiate between those two as well, unless uh, unless just one side passes something that the other side agrees to. So um, I'm happy to answer questions. There are probably more questions than answers right now, but it is, uh, um, I, I, without doubt, there will be a school finance bill that will be sent to the Supreme Court um i don't know how much money will be in it but it will be significant because i think that's the only thing that will pass the problem is procedurally and practically doing it is going to take a long time and i don't i think it's going to take longer than 11 days but you've also got the uh the brief filing deadline on the 30th of april and i don't know how you uh, get around that people are talking about strange things staying later than april 6th coming back earlier who knows it's um there's a lot of a uh, lot of moving parts right now, and I'd be happy to answer questions. Great. Thank you.
0: Questions for Dr. Loden. Yes, Ms. Zila.
17: I know that the peer review is in process
9: right now. Is that correct? For it's
17: going to be presented. Doctor? It's probably done. It's going to be presented. Being copied now. It's going to be presented on Thursday uh, to the the Joint Senate Select Committee and the House K-12. Committee. And
9: I assume they're not waiting really to hear, but are working in committees about what the new finance formula could possibly be. Uh,
17: um, we, the, you raise an interesting question because I'm not sure we're going to get a new finance formula. The bills that both everyone's talking about are going to have fixes to the equity components and address those. But in terms of what we do with the resources, the formula itself, the distribution of those dollars may not change at all. It or may just be tweaked in some ways, be, um... And it may be a matter of just filling up the the existing structure, using the existing structure we have for the distribution. So it may just come down to how much money do you want to put in. And then we do have issues of how does it need to be spent and those kind of and where. Okay. Thank you.
18: We get down to these last two weeks or four. What message do you think would be most prudent for those parents and patrons? Who are kind of following along to communicate to their state legislators? I mean, there's, You know, you talked about a variety of bills and issues that are being processed. Is there any one particular message or focus that would be most useful for our parents and patrons to with our state legislators?
17: Um, I I'm to put you on the spot, so I'm sorry. Well, no, I, I, no, I, I appreciate the question, and my answer would be that I think um, there are, like I said, there's going to be, there will be a um, a resolution to this, I, I believe. They're going to pass a bill. It'll have more money. It'll have the equity fixes in it. Uh, it is, It is going to be something that, and, and that's part of the challenge to do advocacy in what is a very time compressed now and a very confusing part of the legislative session. It's easy in January where the hearing's scheduled next Thursday and you can come in and it's much more difficult now. I mean, social media has changed that a, tr- a great deal and there's a great deal of, of sharing of information that will help keep people in, uh, engaged and, and let them know what's going on. I would, I think that... Part of what the the message that has been heard in, in, in Topeka, and I think it's going to what be what drives this, is that having a meaningful long-term solution that invests resources and doesn't get involved in any more gamesmanship with the court is probably the best way to proceed. I think uh, that um, it is not going to... It's, it's one of those kind of things where the conversation has become the, the legislature either is going to have to appropriate something and figure out how they want to do it or somebody's going to do it for them, and that's, and that's the court. And so to the extent that the legislature wants to have con, a bit of control over how much and where it's spent and how it's distributed and those kind of things, and they have things they want to do. And so that, that's, I think, the most helpful thing is to stay engaged, to uh, keep focused on what was in our legislative pat- platform that you all put together uh, last fall, that, that this is a solution that needs to, to serve every school district in the state and all kids. And that's, that's what I, I think keep reminding folks that we're, that we're all watching what's going on. That's important.
19: Thank you. To comment briefly? The study was, was quite lengthy. But it's my understanding that um, the, the study found that, number one, um, that we are very efficient in the state of Kansas, if you could comment on that, and also the positive correlation between money spent and student performance.
17: Right, and that, that was affirming in part what everybody knew was there's a relationship to investment of resources and performance, and they did a great job of of, of, of calculating out over time if you want to achieve certain levels on student assessments or graduation rates, whatever your, your measures may be, that it takes resources to do that, that, that there's a ratio, even a one to a 1.5 ratio of reaching some of those uh, uh, those objectives. And so that was uh, affirmation of that, which we've seen in other studies. I think it was uh, it was interesting to hear someone not tied to the state who does work all over the country come in and say I think the exact words were we've never seen schools as efficient as you are in terms of using resources and uh, that Uh, we have higher than normal, higher than comparative graduation rates, but our objective, we can set those higher aspirational goals because we're already well along there compared to some other states. There are still obviously issues to be addressed within that, but the study was very uh, complementary of the, the work that school districts had been done and frankly done in the face of flat funding, insufficient funding, since 2007-8. Thank you. um,
10: I have just a quick question about an issue that had come up, I think, in the original State of the State um, when Brownbuck was still the governor. He had referenced funding a counselor for more buildings, or in every building, or something to that effect, and I haven't heard anything about that since that time. Is that dead in the water and done, or is there any rumblings or mumblings about
17: that? Well, what uh, in the state of the state? I believe the governor's comments were adding 150 counselors to the. To the school system uh to the statewide system i think it was 150 uh, to the system and that was something that that was needed there have been a couple of legislative uh, the the education committees have had hearings on that topic the house committee did it i believe last week uh where they got a briefing on the governor's recommendations Um, dr watson from the state board was there to talk about it and that issue reflects and i think why there hasn't been anything more specifically done about it was when uh, we, when, when Dr. Southwick and, and, and staff put together a list of what would we be investing resources in if more money came out of a court decision, and on, on that list, and significantly in every school district, very high place was counselors, social workers. There's a lot of internal conversation about a counselor versus a social worker, not against each other, but you know who serves those those needs and those kind of mental health needs and those kind of things. So lots of conversation about it. I think. What has mitigated anything more specific about saying X number of counselors anywhere is that on the list that school districts put together, they said, this is where we want to invest a lot of our resources and need to. Anyone
0: else? Questions? Thank you very much for your work. Uh, And I think the work ahead is gonna keep a pretty fast pace. So we look forward to working with you down this home stretch. All right, thank you. With that, we'll move on to uh, item C2. Dr. Southwick,
2: our second and last presentation tonight is a little bit of a recap of a workshop that you all were involved in from six to just a little bit before seven. Um, so I'm going to ask Aaron Easton and Jerry Ford to come back and talk to us a little bit. Um, and primarily, you heard the message, but this gives an opportunity for us to be uh, get the information of what we're doing with our health clinic out into the community. We know people are in the audience, and people are watching over the live stream, and we know this will be archived on YouTube. And uh, So we wanted to bring this information forward, and uh, so Aaron, I'm going to turn the floor back over to you again. Thank you.
20: Thank you very much. Um, as I said, my name is Erin Eason. I'm the director of clinical consulting at CBIS, and I've had the uh, pleasure of working with the district since uh, 2013 on the um, health center. Um, from analysis to ultimately implementation and ongoing. So I wanted to just uh, provide some context as to why the Shawnee Mission School District or what the Shawnee Mission School District stakeholders hope to accomplish um, at the time of the original feasibility study analysis um, by implementing a health center. And the key goals or priorities that were communicated through multiple stakeholder interviews with key leadership throughout the district was that if there were to, if, if, if you were to all to move forward with a health center um, and, and these conversations happened in in late uh, 2013, early 2014, that the goal was to um, help uh, aid uh, employees in being healthier and happier, help recruitment efforts uh, and retention efforts, recruit and retain the best and brightest folks to, to work for the Shawnee Mission School District. And from a financial standpoint, decrease costs to the district through reduction in healthcare spend, medical and pharmacy spend, better control of work comp costs or oc health costs, but also pass those potential savings or pass potential savings on to employees by reducing the amount of co-pays that they have to pay um, in the community um, and also reduce their use of sick time, their own use or using up of sick time. Um, so those were the, the key goals uh, and continue to be the key goals that we strive to achieve uh, for the for the Priority One Health Center. So just to recap where we were and where we are now. Uh, In late 2013, uh, the district asked CBiz to perform what we call a feasibility study or an analysis to determine if a health center would be feasible for the district um, to implement and achieve their goals. Uh, We delivered those original results in March of 2014. Um, And at that time, we made the recommendation that the district certainly could, and we would recommend them moving forward. And that was, um, that was. Uh, accepted and uh, at the time though in 2014 there was a lot of change occurring um, particularly from an infrastructure standpoint and that's really the beginning of the project uh, for the Center of Academic Achievement which ultimately um, the vision of that was that it would be a a perfect place to house a health center, a fitness center and the services that ultimately um, uh, were were, uh, started here and that it made more sense to focus on that very large project and then start to build the projects that would ultimately um, reside. And so there was a a little bit of a pause button hit um, between the feasibility study report being delivered and when we began um, kicking that project off to select a vendor. Um, that RFP process began in June of 2016 when we began began to develop the RFP and receive results in ultimately doing uh, finalist presentations and reference site visits to the end of February of 2017 when Marathon Health, who's going to speak in just a minute, um, uh, was selected and the contract was negotiated. And that led us to March of 2017 when we began implementation. So um, really working to create a um, an integrated system where data is shared with the carrier so that there's not a silo of health care being provided, but also ensuring that there was a complete um, acknowledgement that Marathon Health um, is the provider of these services. The district partnered with Marathon Health, but that information is not shared um, personal health information is not shared and really creating communication strategies to to, to inform um, employees and their families of how this works and, and what it does and what it doesn't do. Um, that led us to opening the health center on August 16th of this year. The Priority One Health Center opened uh, and uh, th- that Kind of step back into the contract negotiation. Just a recap of some key uh, details from the service agreement between the Shawnee Mission School District and Marathon Health. First of all, the initial term of the agreement is three years. There are budget adherence protections built into the service agreement so that uh, the district is pro- is protected uh, from any type of of um, of, of unintentional uh, scope creep or financial budget creep. Uh, We'll talk about the financials in just a minute and that that is not an issue. Also built into the agreement are key performance guarantees that Marathon agreed to um, and are measured on an annual basis and based on achieving those guarantees or not achieving those guarantees a portion of their fees are at risk. there also are key components in terms of the agreement with Marathon Health that ensure that the district is a participant in staff hiring. Uh, thankfully, we really. Uh, Dug into that during implementation and haven't had to revisit it. There hasn't been any kind of turnover, Um, and the really spectacular staff that are in the health center—the physicians, um, the 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 medical office assistants, and the health coach—have been phenomenal. But the district participated to ensure that not only Marathon Health evaluates and ensures that they're clinically qualified, that they that they can provide the care that they you know that they have all of their ducks in a row from a from a licensure standpoint Um, but what they can't do and only those who work in this district can do is make sure that they can build relationships that they can resonate with folks and really build that that trust that bond that's so important when you receive um, health care and uh, that's what the district did and and, um, really has a phenomenal staff in place Also monthly reporting to ensure we're um, consistently monitoring the key metrics to ensure we're always moving in the right direction and we're able to course correct if we need to. Um, And then ongoing, uh, uh, not just reporting, but ongoing meetings to discuss and and determine best next steps, best recommendations. That's something that that district representation, SEVA's representation, and of course, Marathon Health participate in. So what does the health center do? Um, From a scope of services standpoint, it is a full primary care health center. So from preventive care to sick visits, to lab draws, to immunizations, um, to treating minor injuries like cuts and bruises and muscle strains, full primary care services. In addition to that, and somewhat unique to what we um, are perhaps used to, they also provide health coaching. So there is an RN health coach that works in the health center 20 hours a week that will do one-on-one health coaching work on your own personal goals um, to help you navigate through both the healthcare side of things, but also just the well-being side of things. Uh, Chronic condition coaching. uh, You know, a lot of times folks who have uh, chronic conditions are told you have diabetes and here's what you do to treat it and, you know, I'll see you in six months. This chronic condition coaching is taking you through that process and making sure that they're being... um, mentored through and and checking in on a consistent basis to hopefully help people uh, improve their health and well-being and move out of a chronic state if possible, or if not possible, just maintain and remain healthy within within that state. Um, And then also very unique but very much desired um, and communicated through the feasibility study by employees is dispensing of medications. So uh, full Uh, full prescriptions for generic medications like antibiotics or medications that treat chronic chronic conditions are dispensed out of the health center as well. Um, And all of this at a very low or no cost to employees um, in order for them to uh, be able to receive health care without barriers. Folks that are able to use the health center for personal health, uh, all benefit enrolled employees and dependents over the age of two and any pre-Medicare retiree enrolled in the district's health plan. Uh, Work comp services are also offered through the health center and all employees have access to use those. The health center is early hours and late hours, so really trying to meet folks where they are. But the district has done a really amazing job supporting uh, uh, employees and allowing leadership within the schools to assist employees to cover classes or cover um, uh, time so that they're able to use the health center when they need to. It is a full uh, physician-provider model. There are 58 provider hours per week, so all staffed with physicians, 20 hours of health coach, and then two full-time medical office assistants that really are the front um, and back of the house from, a, from the standpoint of, um, of checking people in to taking your blood pressure. From a financial standpoint, and we monitor this again on a monthly basis, projected uh, startup costs were a little over $200,000. Uh, we were right on budget. Uh, projected clinic year one is just a little under 1.3 million and as of six months in we're slightly under that budget at 49 percent. Right on track for where we expect to be on budget for the for the entire cl- uh, health clinic year. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jerry Ford, who's the CEO of Marathon Health. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, I struggle a little bit for the right word right now. I'm, I'm caught between gratitude and amazement and I'll start with amazement. Uh, When I first started interacting with Shawnee Mission School District and Dr. Southwick and Dr. Sumner and Shauna and Tammy, I was just amazed at the spirit and intent behind how they wanted to go about starting this great service for your employees and their dependents and for the district. I didn't think I could be any more amazed. Uh, Then last fall, I came out and attended uh, the foundation breakfast and saw students in action and faculty in action. I was just so impressed with what this district represents and what it brings. And then tonight, sitting in this audience and seeing the all-stars, Bryce and Michelle, and how moving that was and their care and concern for fellow employees and the students, it's, it's just plain remarkable. And Amelia, I believe, was the ACT 36 who said, uh, I'll take it again if it goes to 37. Well, if it goes to 37, I'm quite sure somebody from Shawnee Mission School District will achieve it. So I dare the board to raise it to 37. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to take a second to talk to you a little bit about our company. Our company is called Marathon Health. Uh, Our code name is Marathon Health for Life. And part of the reason we label ourselves that is we exist solely in the space of taking care of employees and dependents of employers and trusts. We are not in the retail world at all. We work specifically in this space to try to help individuals achieve their best health and live their best lives. It's a vested interest in us and making sure that everyone has that opportunity, much like you ensure everyone has the educational opportunity that will lead them on their best course. So in Doing this, what we want to focus on is three primary things: making sure the patient has the best possible experience with the healthcare care system they could hope for, making sure healthcare care outcomes are measured and achieved, and making sure we 're lowering the cost of service for the individuals who receive the care as well as the organization provided it i, I couldn 't be any more committed to making sure that happens, however. I have very little to do with the real work of the magic that happens. The magic that happens is comes from our clinical team that takes care of your great people. Dr. Saku, Dr. Gray, Melissa, Michelle and Jericka. Dr. Sakew, who serves as our clinical director, is actually a Shawnee Mission School District alum. So how nice to see that circle come fully back around. The care that they want to provide and the care that they are providing, we believe can make the difference to letting you achieve the health goals and outcomes you're trying to achieve. To give you a little bit of a snapshot of what's been going on in the six months that we've been open, there has been over 1,500 actual visits with the providers for either health coaching or for acute care, urgent care, or primary care. There have also been almost 130 specific health coaching visits established where people are setting their own goals and working towards trying to achieve their best life. What we've seen so far in six months is 29% of the eligible employee population has utilized the health services. The goal for year one in this type of near-site environment is to have 45% of the population. So in six months, we're well on our way to achieving and exceeding that 45%. We've also had 44%, or 44 uh, dependents utilize it and 40, 431 high-risk or chronic condition patients uh, using it as well sometimes the best way to judge the services not by someone like me speaking about it but what are the people who are utilizing it saying or reporting? so in the point of service surveys that are administered after the visit with 51 percent of everyone having a visit responding to the great survey that the CBIS folks Aaron and Caitlin have administered and put in place, we're rating about 99 percent uh, 97 to 99 percent on most of the areas surveyed from a satisfaction perspective or as we like to say, 99% is probably similar to how often Kansas is in the NCAA tournament. Coming from Vermont, I have to say, I did the Rock Talk Jayhawk to show up here tonight. We only have one Division I basketball team in Vermont, UVM, and we make the tournament about once or twice every two or four years if we win our conference tournament and get the automatic bid. Uh, So we, we sometimes, though, when UVM isn't there, we cheer for other teams, and as much as we'd like to say we're always behind Bill Self and his guys, we can absolutely say we're always behind ABD University, and that is anybody but Duke. So, so I have to say we were equally gratified by the win, as, as I'm sure you were yesterday as well. Patient satisfaction in their own words. I thought it might be helpful to see some of these comments, and, and this is really meaningful for us, seeing how your population sets out to serve the community, to serve the student body, to serve the future. We want to make sure, this is just one month worth of snapshots taken from comments, so we want to make sure that we aren't just seeing these, type of ser- these comments on a monthly basis. We want to make sure we're seeing them on a regular basis, and this continues long into the future. I'm grateful of the opportunity to serve you. We truly appreciate it, and I truly appreciate how you're making our clinical team feel like part of the overall Shawnee Mission School District family. And we'll take any questions.
0: Thank you. Any questions on the presentation? Thank you very much. We appreciate the partnership. Like I said earlier, we look forward to the statistics once we get the results from the spring fever uh, epidemic that we're going <laughs> to go through. Uh, with that, we move on to item D1, and uh, this is the public comment section of our, our meeting. And uh, we have several folks that have joined us to share with us their thoughts. Um, I'll. Remind every folk, everyone of some uh, brief procedures for this, and then we'll invite our first speaker to come forward. Uh, open forum is a time for individuals to share with the board the interests of the, in, in the school district. Uh, a few reminders when making your remarks, please be civil, use respectful language, and refrain from any personal attacks. The discussions of matters related to the specific, a specific student or a specific employee are, are not permitted. Instead, these comments should be submitted in writing to the superintendent. Please limit your comments to three minutes, and we have about a dozen speakers here, so we 'll need to stay with the three minutes tonight and avoid repeating the concerns of previous speaker um, we 'll speak to that in a second uh, due to the number of speakers this evening, um, I will ask the presenters wrap up and conclude their comments at the three minute mark um, we 're going with something new this evening, and that is that uh, Mrs. wintering will be providing a clock on the on the board so that everyone can see there and a, a very subtle yellow color will come on at uh, with about 30 seconds left and then a, a very nice but firm red color will appear after the three minutes and that's just to help us keep the moving uh, the meeting move along so thank you for abiding by that. The board will not be responding to the comments directly but if you have questions that require a response please know that someone from the school district will follow up with you at a later date. Uh, when your name is called please proceed to the podium and share with us your name, address, the school that you're or schools that your children attend and any group or organization that you happen to be a part of as well. We have, we have, uh, like I say, about a dozen cards of folks that wanted to speak today and really they fall into two uh, subject matters and so I'm going to group the two groups together so that so that they can each speak consecutively and we'll begin with uh, Kim Whitman.
21: Hi, I'm Kim Whitman. Uh, my address is 4020 West 95th Terrace. I have two children at Trailwood Elementary. I was sitting in the audience at last month's school board meeting and heard the heartfelt cry of the Corinth parents asking for there to be a full-time counselor in every elementary school. I am here tonight to say it's not just Corinth. We at Trailwood also have an overwhelming need for resources to support our children's social and emotional needs. My son is is in fourth grade this year, and he has been bullied both physically and verbally. He has also witnessed a lot of bullying to others he has heard a student threaten to harm another student and most recently he was physically assaulted by another child in the class this environment of disrespect has contributed to his anxiety and overwhelming desire to not go to school his unfortunate experiences have led me on a search for how bullying is handled in the shawnee mission school district six months later I don't think that there is a consistent system in place and there are far too few resources available to the children who are being bullied, the children doing the bullying, and the children witnessing the bullying. According to the Center of Educational Statistics, more than one out of every five students reports being bullied. It affects their self-esteem, their relationships, and their physical health. Every day, 160,000 children miss school because of bullying and my son has been one of them. Students who experience bullying are at risk for poor school adjustment, sleep difficulties, anxiety, and depression, according to the Center of Disease Control. To help my child work through the bullying he has experienced and witnessed, I have consulted with experts on the topic as well as a therapist. I arranged for Synergy Services to come to Trailwood and do anti bullying workshops in each classroom and even an evening workshop for parents. What I've learned is prevention is key. Studies have shown school-based bullying prevention programs decrease bullying by 25%. So why doesn't Shawnee Mission have a bullying prevention program in place at all their elementary schools? Why did I, as a parent, have to organize this effort? What does exist regarding bullying in Shawnee Mission is inadequate. I'm told the teachers are teaching the Second Step curriculum in their classrooms every week, and that's how Shawnee Mission fulfills the state requirement. But they aren't. Many teachers report they haven't had been trained on They haven't been trained on how to teach the curriculum, and they don't have the time to teach it. There has been a lot of emphasis emphasis placed on the bullying app, but let's be clear. It is strictly a means to report bullying. It is not a solution to the problem. What is done after a report is filed? Despite my efforts, I have yet to understand the procedures and the resources available for all those involved in these situations. I'll be honest, I've exhausted my resources. I've done all that I can to help my child cope with what he describes as a toxic environment at school. So I'm here tonight to ask you for your help. Please implement a bullying prevention program as well as better procedures and resources for children involved in bullying situations. And please provide a full-time counselor in every elementary school. I appreciate your time, and I thank you in advance for following up.
0: Thank you. With that, we invite... Elino? Sorry if I butchered that. Uh, Gray.
15: Hi, my name is Elion Gray, and I'm a fourth grader at Trail Elementary School. I don't think you know how hard it is to be a kid these days. We are under a lot of pressure to try to get good grades when it's sports and hope everyone likes you. I try to do my best, but sometimes my best doesn't feel like it's good enough. Sometimes this makes me upset, frustrated, and sometimes it makes me sad. A lot of times when I'm at school, I get upset because someone is being mean to me or my friends and I really want to talk to someone. My teacher is always really busy. My classmates, I don't know that they would be very helpful and I won't be seeing my mom and dad for many hours because it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. I don't, I don't like when I see that my friends are sad at school. I try to help them, but most of the time, I don't know what to do. They're There are a group of kids at school that are not very nice. They say mean things to me, my friends, and even my teachers. I've seen kids get hurt from things getting thrown in the class or getting picked on or injured by kids during recess, and it makes me scared that they'll try to hurt me. My teacher and principal say to let them know if they see or have a problem, but no matter how many times me and my parents tell them, the same problem keeps happening over and over again, and I don't know why. It would really make me feel better to know that there was someone at school that I could, that I could talk to that would care about how I feel. I just wish that kids at at school would stop being so rude to me, my friends, and and my teacher. We spend so much time together at school that I just wish that we would all find a way to get along. I just wish that there was a grown-up who wasn't too busy to talk to me during the school day. <coughs> I just want to go to school to have fun while I learn and make friends. At school, I just want to feel safe, and I don't want to feel alone. Thank you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Stacy
22: Gray. You were close. Eliana was her name. Oh. You are very, very close. <laughs> She's been called different. Hi, my name is Stacey Gray, and I have two daughters in the Shawnee Mission School District. I'm here to request that you please hire a full-time counselor for every elementary school across the district for emotional and social support of our kids. Again, I have two daughters, Audrey, a seventh grader at Indian Woods Middle School, and Eliana, a fourth grader at Trowwood Elementary. Audrey is a sweet and loving, medically fragile girl with special needs. She has a yet-to-be-diagnosed syndrome, and since birth has faced numerous life-threatening battles that have affected every aspect of our home life. Her younger sister, Eliana, uh, has developed a speech disfluency, or a stutter, is so severe as qualified her for an IEP and speech therapy since she was four years old. This disfluency has led her to having anxiety issues. However, in her short 10 years, as shown by her standing up here and speaking before you all tonight, Eliana has developed more compassion and empathy than most adults could ever have. We all know kids can be mean. Luckily... <laughs> Audrey requires full-time assistance from a para while in school, allowing her a form of protection from harm for many of her peers. However, Eliana's had a different experience. Unfortunately, she's been teased. Teased for stuttering, for having a sister with special needs, teased for caring too much, for being too helpful, and also for being too tall. Every day we send our our kids to school with the hope and assumption that they will be safe and supported. Over the past few years, a source of anxiety for Eliana is not only when she herself is harassed, but when she witnesses her friends and even her teachers being emotionally or physically hurt. The most recent incident happened in front of her class. She was so upset by it that she obsessively talked and worried about it for days. Sadly, as the school years progressed, my husband and I have seen an unfortunate decline in Eliana's self-esteem and in her enthusiasm for school. And As a result, we're considering homeschooling alternatives. As I mentioned, Audrey has numerous health issues, one of them being grand mal seizures. Seizures at school not only have a negative impact on her and her teachers, but can be very dramatic for her peers to witness. A few years back, she had a seizure in Trowood's front office, and the students saw it as they were changing classes. I received many phone calls that evening from concerned parents who said their children had witnessed Audrey's violent seizure earlier that day, and the child was still clearly shaken and impacted by it later that night. Another time, Eliana was bombarded by questions from concerned, confused, and taunting peers after witnessing a 911 response to her sister's seizure at school. While the school tried to be discreet in sneaking the paramedics and their gear into school to help Audrey, it was seen by an audience of curious and frightened school children. No one was available to talk to these kids in the aftermath of her seizure. While it's not only unfair for Eliana, then only seven years old, to deal with the brunt of the questions and teasing comments about the incident, it's also unfair to the kids, that the teacher had to take away from class time to figure out, explain, and try to calm down 25 confused children as to what had just happened. If a full-time counselor was available, there would be someone to coach the staff on how to have age-appropriate conversations Um, about what they had experienced and what they may be feeling. While our home situation may not be typical, many kids with anxiety, ADHD, trauma, or autism need more specialized help. They need someone that is available as these issues arise. This help can only be provided by a counselor that is accessible throughout the school day, every day. Full-time counselor will provide a safe place for all students to go. When they become overwhelmed, need to decompress or need just someone to talk to. Allowing children daily access to full-time counselor in each and every elementary school in the Shawnee Mission School District, necessary step that needs to be implemented by fall of 2018. Thank you. Thank you.
0: <clears throat> that, uh, Emily Parnell.
23: Hello, I'm Emily Parnell, and um, my address is 4000 West 96th Street. I have a, an 8th grader at Indian Woods, and I have a 6th grader at Trailwood. When it comes to social support, there's a gap between what our kids need and how much assistance that we as parents can provide. We view our child's school experience through his or her lens. They choose which problems to report, and they only give us their side. As a matter of professionalism, when there's a conflict, school staff can't provide us details about the other students, and rightfully so. But this means we never have the full story, that we have to draw our own conclusions, and we can't holistically address specific social problems. Only the school has access to both sides, so that burden rests squarely on the school's shoulders. With his permission, I'd like to tell you about my son Cooper's experience at Trailwood. Early on, Cooper struggled socially. His first grade teacher suggested he meet with a social worker each week on her day in the school we were hopeful at first but she was overscheduled, and often canceled their meetings after months he'd only met with her maybe two three times meanwhile his problems escalated he wanted desperately to fit in but was constantly pushed away by the other kids other parents declined my request to help the boys patch things up he was as much of a pariah to them as he was to his classmates after school he was an emotional wreck he would explode in anger, collapse in tears each day, upset about the day's events. His grades and his test scores were lousy. Um, he was a smart kid, but social stress pre- permeated everything he did. He started using suicidal language. I deserve to die. I'd be better off dead. You should just kill me, he said. With counseling and coaching, he made individual progress, yet his problems got even worse. See, we could only give him all the support and tools in the world, but the only way to improve his situation was to solve the whole problem, not just his part of it. The happy end to this story is that Cooper found a really fresh start, new friends, and a lot of happiness in middle school. His newfound happiness led to academic success, turning C's and D's into his first ever straight A report card. He now tests above target. He comes home happy every night, breaking out of the toxic cycle and finding social confidence were the golden piece of the puzzle to his success. With proper mental health and support from within the school, he probably could have found it a lot earlier. I implore you to Recognize the mental and social health as crucial elements of the student's education. And please prioritize providing adequate resources inside the school because it's the only place that some of these students can fully be addressed. Thank you.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Kingston Savage.
3: Good evening. My name is Kingston Savage and I am 10 years old and a 4th grader at Charlwood Elementary. I want, I want to let all, you, all the school board members know a, f- a few of my reasons why I feel not, that not just my school, but every school in the SMSD should have a counselor. Unfortunately, on and off since the beginning of the school year, I have been made fun of of for how I dressed or wore my glasses. I was pushed out of a chair and called a loser. I've been pinched. I was physically pushed out to the ground and choked in the gaga pit at recess and also have had... Some of my friends decided not to be my friend because a few other kids told them not to be my friend because I wasn't cool enough or wasn't sporty enough to hang out with them. Being treated like this hasn't been easy for me to handle. And even though I tried to tell my teachers what was going on, I know it was hard for them to always know what to say or do when I was very upset. After my mom told the principal about me being bullied and not want me to, and not, and me not wanting to go to school anymore, I did fill out some bullying reports. I will say that yes, my principal was good at listening to me, but even, even he could only do so much to help me. Other than, other than talking to the kids that were bullying me and trying. And trying to get them to stop, I'll admit my feelings of being sad, lonely, and even angry got the best of me, and I and I got and I had even thought about not wanting to be alive anymore because of what was happening to me at school. And just it was just too much for me to handle at just ten years old. I thought about I thought about how I was gonna hurt myself so, so I wouldn't feel so sad on the inside anymore on a daily basis. Even though my parents and older brother did the best to love and support me at home, I really wish I could have talked to someone at school other than my teachers or principal. When the bullying was happening, I know that my teachers and, and principal are busy doing so many other great things to get us ready for the future but I also need someone I can talk to about my life in the present. I hope you can take what I just said to heart and seriously consider putting in a counselor at, at every SMSD school. I know that I am one of many kids who could benefit from, t- from talking to an adult other than our principal or teachers, someone that is, is also trained on how to help kids like me. I seriously thought about killing myself because I felt like if I felt that if I wasn't alive anymore the boys would finally leave me alone. Thank you for your help.
0: Thank you Kingston. Kingston, I want you to know that tonight you are the coolest kid in the Shawnee Mission School District. Thank you for being here. Victoria Savage.
24: Okay. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Victoria Savage, and uh, I'm the proud mother of three boys, including this brave one here. And I've been a parent in the Shawnee Mission School District since 2009. i am also I've been an early childhood educator for over 15-plus years. I'm sure you are all aware of the elementary years as a time when our children begin to develop their academic skills and confidence as learners. They are also beginning to develop decision-making, communication, and life skills as well as character values. In addition, it is a time when our children develop and acquire attitudes towards school themselves, their peers, social groups, and even their families. Having a full-time school counselor present in every Shawnee Mission school will not only support but also strengthen these valuable life skills in every one of our children from pre-K to 12th grade. Sorry. The following are some of the many benefits of having a full time school counselor at every school. Number one, school counselors are trained to catch students. They may otherwise fall through the cracks. More importantly, school counselors are trained to identify and address the needs of our children before they become a major problem. Our children can encounter a wide variety of problems, but they don't always have the resources and experiences to handle the situations effectively. School counselors teach students how to process problems and identify solutions and or teach them positive coping skills. It should also be said that school counselors are often the only mental health resource available to 10-plus million school-aged kids with a mental illness. Number two, school counselors are also trained to be proactive and not reactive. For example, putting up drunk driving posters after a student dies might feel like a step in the right direction, but it does nothing to stop the death. Identifying issues and implementing programs before a tragedy is the goal of a school counselor. Reacting after the fact is merely putting out the fires and the damage is already done. Yet having a full-time counselor present in every school in the Shawnee Mission School District can help prevent the damage in the first place. Number three, having a full-time school counselor in every school allows a trained professional to be present to address all issues related to our children's social, emotional, and behavioral development. Some of these issues can be as mundane as being excluded from the lunch table to even something more extreme like self-harm. This will then free up our teachers and administrators to do the work they are trained to do. It will also generate benefits for all kids in the classroom, even those who aren't seeing the counselor for the direct interventions. In addition, it is extremely challenging for educators who are not trained in these types of issues to be effective. Number four, a full-time school counselor would provide continuity of care for our children by connecting with them and observing them on a daily basis. This would build trust and greatly increase the chances our children will come to them in not only times of sadness and frustration, but also times of joy. Our children are far less likely to report a problem if they don't think the adults will help them, and they are even more unlikely to report a problem if they think the adults' response will make the problem worse. It can be as simple as the counselor greeting our children as they walk in the doors each morning, checking in on our children and their peers during lunch or recess time, and even seeing our children off as they leave for the day. And finally, number five, even teachers with the best intentions can become swamped and feel overwhelmed from the time to time. They are under a lot of stress due to budget cuts, pressures from state testing, and overcrowded schools. A full-time counselor would be a great asset for educators by providing assistance and necessary resources when situations arise. The bottom line is this, providing a full- time Counselor in every school in SMSD would be laying a solid foundation for our children from the inside out. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: aaron Tompkins.
25: Hi, um, I'm Aaron Tompkins. My address is 9311 Buena Vista. Um, I am a mother of three students at Trailwood, a sixth grader, a fourth grader, and a second grader. Um, I'm also an educator. I'm a speech-language pathologist with 18 years of experience, and I work in the metropolitan area as well. Um, the social and... Well, first of all, I'm sorry, my three children have had 15 years of educational classroom experience with teachers, So, and we haven't left elementary school yet, and each of those teachers has offered them something amazing. They have also had the support of the support staff, the secretary, the nurse, PE, art, library and the continuity of care that those relationships have offered my children are huge. I have kids who have struggled. I have kids who have excelled and every year that was the constant for them and they were able to walk in the door and not have to get to know somebody on day one. Um, I feel that we need to address the continuity of care with a mental health provider, and I am for a counselor or a social worker, and I understand that you guys have to provide evidence-based practice, and uh, there is a study by Kaiser Permanente and the CDC that reports that 70% of the population has an ACE score, or an adverse childhood experience score of one, of at least one, and those things are things like being in a sexual abuse or a physical abuse situation, having hunger issues, having substance abuse in the home, um, having a caregiver that is absent due to divorce or imprisonment. This toxic stress contributes to their behavior, but it also contributes to the classroom, and it affects the teachers. It affects the students that are not in these experiences, and it's it's affecting the whole school. Um, I would like you guys to consider... Alternative sources for funding. We've had. We sat here. I know. I, I heard each of you s- asking questions and engaging earlier about you. you want this. You want what is best for our students. You've hired a new superintendent who on his website says that he wants the best for all students, and as do we. So I'd like you to consider alternative sources. We have a federal budget that will get us through September. It does advocate for increased mental health in schools. We don't know what's going to happen in the next 11 days or before April 30th. um, But there are Districts in the metropolitan area and in the state that are accessing alternative funding sources for this. So, as you guys walk away and do the great work that I know you're ready to do, I want you to consider some of those other options. Thank you.
0: Thank you. you.
26: Jan Bombeck. Hi, my name is Jan Bombeck and my address is 5832 Newton, Overland Park, Kansas, and I guess I'm the first of the librarians, I'm not a counselor. (laughs) Um, I spoke two years ago at Open Forum when the district renamed three district libraries Innovation Stations and devalued the librarian position by hiring non-certified librarians. A friend recently asked me why I was going to come back and speak again on the same topic. I'm back because nothing was done and the problem continues. I'm back because I believe in the integral importance of certified librarians in teaching today's curriculum, which impacts the education of our children. And most importantly, I'm back because I care about the schools and the students in this community. The only response I got from the board following my remarks in May of 2016 was a letter from the board president stating that I should have addressed my concerns to my principal and not the school board. I was disheartened and confused by this response, feeling my concerns had been dismissed and the administration was unaware or disinterested in this issue. However, the administration's position on librarians became clear in the summer in an article in the Kansas City Star. A member of the current administration, when asked about the importance of librarians, said, now that students have digital resources in hand, no longer do I have to get up and walk my class to the library. This statement shows a lack of knowledge for the need of a certified librarian to help locate and interpret that digital data. Later in the same article, they said, it's really more about the skill that an individual brings than it is about certification. As a society, we confer awards, degrees, and certification to signify the time, money, commitment, and skill set someone gained through professional training. In fact, recently the patrons of this district indicated their desire that our new superintendent have a doctorate degree. Last week, I spoke with Directors of Library Services from Blue Valley, Olathe, and Kansas City, Kansas. Each spoke of the importance of, and their commitment to, hiring only certified librarians for their elementary, middle, and high schools. Certified librarians are integral to the success of schools and students, as indicated in thousands of articles published in statistical research journals. They cite increases in literacy, test scores, and book circulation. Just a few of the benefits of hiring a certified librarian. In fact, just recently there was an article on the Kansas City Star featuring librarians and it spotlighted the circulation at Shawnee Mission Northwest, which had doubled under the direction of a certified librarian. The article failed to mention, or more probably was not aware, that at the same time there was a 14,000 book decrease in yearly circulation at an elementary school in their first year without a certified librarian. 44, uh, Forty-four schools in the Shawnee Mission District, seven of them are staffed by non-certified librarians. As a district that has it's prided itself on top-notch standards, I feel this is subpar and an embarrassment. In fact, the new Lenexa Hills Library that was featured at last month's board meeting will be filled with thousands of new books selected by a cadre of certified librarians, but it will be staffed. By a classroom teacher, not a certified librarian. My questions are why in light of current research statistics and the example of other area districts is the practice of hiring non-certified librarians continuing? And what are we as a school district, Board of Education, and community going to do about this situation in the future? I'm hopeful that with the new leadership and board members, this problem will be addressed, discussed, and communicated to the Shawnee Mission patrons or I will be back. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Jen Salvo Eaton.
27: My name is Jen Salvo Eaton. I live at 7616 Hadley Street in Overland Park. I am an academic librarian and member of university faculty and I'm speaking to you today as a professional librarian but more important as a parent of a first grader at Overland Park Elementary. There's a meme floating around on social media that reads, saying you don't need a librarian because you have the internet is like saying you don't need a math teacher because you have a calculator. This notion for me hits close to home because not only am I a librarian, but I also see Shawnee Mission School District echoing the sentiment that librarians are no longer needed in the digital age. Even one of our candidates for superintendent, in his public remarks, pronounced that the idea of books on the wall were, quote, silly, as if books are suddenly so antiquated in the digital world that they are rendered invalid and should be discarded. Makerspaces have value, don't get me wrong. But just because they do have value doesn't mean that traditional library settings don't. You can have both. And certified school librarians are the only professionals who receive a post-baccalaureate graduate-level education in how to implement and maintain both. Many people are surprised to hear that you need a master's degree to be a librarian. Portrayals of librarians in popular media don't help. Do I look like an old woman with her hair in a bun, hell-bent on maintaining absolute silence surrounded by my stacks of dusty books? Uh, I don't touch a single book in my job. I serve as a system administrator for a SQL server database and .NET client application that matches 35,000 requests annually for research materials. If you don't know what that means, you're not alone. It's hashtag what librarians do. And without me, my university could not call itself a research university. There is and continues to be a fundamental misunderstanding around the work of librarians. And this becomes systemic when school districts teach children that libraries and librarians have no value. Whole towns vote against public library funding because who uses the library? And thousands of residents who rely on libraries and librarians to help them find uh, reading material and access the internet and host community programs are suddenly without these things. Certified school librarians, supported and empowered by institutions, can and do make a difference in the lifelong learning of students. Whether they choose college or not, they still need to know how to navigate the wealth of information and misinformation out there. In an age where people can claim fake news when they don't agree with what's printed, it's increasingly important to teach to start teaching students at a young age how to evaluate information for its currency, reliability, accuracy, authority, and purpose, what we librarians call the crap test. If it doesn't pass the crap test, it's, you know, crap. Innovation specialists, on the other hand, do not receive the same education and training as certified school librarians, and a bachelor's degree in any field is a far cry from a master's degree in the science of information. It is a mistake to assume digital natives are information literate because they have grown up with technology. In fact, a study published in 2016 in the British Journal of Education Technology found that overall, nothing about a digital native's device use, app or technology use, or even technology in the classroom made a difference in their information literacy. It is only when students are deliberately taught this information by librarians that they become information literate. And to close, I will leave you with copies of a very lengthy bibliography of suggested reading and also my six-year-old's letter to the school board about the importance of libraries. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: you.
7: you. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer Bowles. Hi, I'm Jennifer Bowles. I'm at 8918 Woodstone Street. Um, I am the proud mom of a first grader at Sunflower Elementary, and I'm here to ask Uh, that Shawnee Mission School District commit to hiring the best and as numerous studies have shown, I believe uh, you were just given a big stack of them um, from Jen Salvo Eaton, Uh, that means hiring certified librarians. It is the difference between proficient or advanced reading and writing scores. A commitment to certified librarians means setting our students up to be lifelong readers and unstoppable seekers of knowledge. As a mom, I can see the difference from my daughter on library days. She comes home excited to show me the books she picked. She's fortunate enough to have a certified librarian with a master's degree in teaching her how to find the answers to her questions, how to encourage her love of reading, and how to discern good information from bad. That is the, ho- the power of hiring the best, most qualified librarians. There's a reason that Darcy Swan specifically mentioned Gary Strout last month as a rock star He's a certified librarian with a master's degree that sets him up to be the absolute best for our students. My daughter adores him. She's excited to go to school on library days to learn from him. And that is the difference of a certified librarian. Shawnee Mission School District has always had a commitment to hiring the best educators possible. I'm asking you to recommit to that for our libraries. Please update job postings to require certified librarians for our students. Thank you.
12: Thank you. (laughs) Bruce Carter. I'm Bruce Carter, 7621 West 78th Street, right over here, not about two or three blocks away. The children are grown, but the grandchildren are arriving annually, with twins arriving in September, so they'll soon be hitting the doors of the school. What I'm going to speak to tonight is the other hat I wear, and that is as a professor of education. I have served in four universities in the last 17 years. When I retired from you all in 2012, I was a full-time undergraduate professor and graduate school dean at McPherson College. And we know this whole business of certification is extremely important, and the research is on our side with that. I had the experience a few years ago And I served them for five years of another school in another district in our metro area who had lost their accreditation. We were able, through the Pittsburgh program at Pitt State, through the Kauffman Foundation, to take people from all walks of life, put them through a master's program, give them the pedagogy, which is what my expertise is, to put them in the school so children had people who were the best to have. And consequently, in the first four of those years, we were able to earn back the accreditation for that school. So that's how important these people are, including certified librarians. Now in my career I have worked with some incredible librarians in this district and others, and this. This year, one in Blue Valley, Kathy Smith, and the current one at Pawnee Elementary, Teresa Love, are just incredible in what they add to those buildings and in teaching those children how to navigate information. And if we haven't learned our lesson about the importance of nor learning the difference between information that is good and information that is not so good, let's think about what happened in the 2016 election on Facebook. I mean, that's not a real good recommendation for that. So that's what I'm speaking to here. Currently, um, I am working with uh, the Ottawa program to certify... Uh, counselors and principals. That's what I've been doing online, and when I go home tonight, in my uh, in my email box for Ottawa University, are these uh, little documents called KPTPs that student teachers write to be certified. I'll assess about 100 to 150 of those between now and the 1st of June, and I know those ones in my uh, mailbox at home are crying for correction. So this whole business of certification is extremely important, and this is why I'm puzzled by this move. So thank you for listening to the old guy tonight. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you.
0: We appreciate all the comments and the time and energy that go into uh, presenting to us today. Thank you not only for spending the time presenting, thank you for uh, outlasting our board meeting that lasted a little long even to get to open comments, so so thank you for being here. I want you to know that we take it very seriously and there will be responses to each of these. We appreciate that. Uh, with that, we'll move on to item E, which is the approval of minutes. And I'll seek a motion to approve the min- minutes of the February 26th meeting.
28: So moved. Second. Second.
0: It's been moved and seconded to approve the minutes of the uh, February 26th meeting. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That's 7-0. And with that, we move to item F, which is the adoption of the agenda.
19: I move for adoption
28: of the agenda. Thank you. All second.
0: Thank you. It's been moved and seconded to adopt the agenda. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That's 7-0. With that, we move on to item G, which is the approval of routine business by consent. And I will first ask if there are any board members that would like to have any items removed from the consent agenda this evening.
19: For approval of routine business by consent. Second.
0: Thank you. It's been moved and seconded to approve the uh, routine business by consent, item G1. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye.
17: Aye. Aye.
0: All those opposed, nay. That's 7-0. Thank you for that. And that moves us down the agenda here uh, to uh, L-M-N, N, Administrative Services. And I turn to Dr. Southwick for this. N-1, approval of purchase of furnishings for three media centers.
2: about that delay. Um, we have on the agenda tonight an action item for the approval of purchase of furnishing for three media centers, as you know, um, as a part of the bond issue, we were doing a remodel of all of our media centers at the high school. So we have before you tonight a uh, recommendation to purchase furnishings for three of our high school media centers, Shawnee Mission Northwest, Shawnee Mission East, and Shawnee Mission West, each of those not to exceed $125,000. A piece questions, Mrs. Zila.
9: Not a question, but I would move approval of um, for the media center.
0: I'll seek a second and then we'll do questions. Second, okay, it's moved and seconded. Any questions on the item,
28: Dr. Southwick? Um, it's bond money, right? Did this you, is bond money, that? okay.
2: They were uh, it was part of the overall bond project for those Sorry um, if you renovations. Said that I didn't hear it, but nope.
10: thank you. Can I just ask a clarifying yes, please question? Yes, go ahead. No, Ashley. The, the media centers, are those the libraries? Are these, is this furniture for the libraries? Yes, it is. Okay. I was just curious about the language with regards to calling in media centers. So, thanks. Okay. Just clarifying.
0: Any other questions on the motion? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. Seven zero. Thank you for that. We move on to item P, an action item. In business services, number one, approval of uh, the amendment to the TRAIN contract.
2: Yes, we have, uh, as you know, uh, several years ago, after the bond issue, we entered into a contract agreement, um, service contract agreement with TRAIN. Uh, Part of that is to not only assess um, all of our HVAC systems we have across the district and all of our schools, but also to work with us to maintain those when we have issues. We recently had the boiler really um, fail at Shawnee Mission Northwest beyond repair. Normally our people could go in and and would be able to well to repair those, but um, we know at this point in time we can't do that. So I'm making a recommendation tonight to amend Phase 4 of Trains Energy Conservation's performance contract uh, to the tune of $482,693, which will Take care of the replacement of the boiler at Shawnee Mission Northwest. That is work that would be done this summer, and that's uh, capital outlay money that we'd use for that. You. Move approval.
0: Thank you. Mrs. Goodburn? Second. I'm asking for a second. You Thank you, Mrs. <laughs> Zela. It's been moved and seconded to approve uh, P1. Any questions? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That's 7 0. We'll move on to item P2.
2: Yes, this also are um, bond projects that were uh, promised, and uh, we are in the process of looking at our little theaters at all of our high schools, and what you have tonight is an ask for you to approve the little theater projects at Shawnee Mission West, Shawnee Mission Northwest, and Shawnee Mission East for a total price of $2 million Ninety two thousand uh, dollars. and this will be will come out of our bond proceeds.
28: I move approval of P two. Second.
0: Thank you. It's been moved and seconded. Uh-huh. Reverend Guy, thank you. Uh, uh, any questions? Yeah. Yes, Dr. Um, Sinclair.
18: Is the is this is there a, a connection between the media centers and the little theaters of the in this this
2: if is the media centers are um, or approved early. I'm not, I might have to refer to Bob with this whether this was a misprint or and we covered that earlier with media centers or do we have attachment of media center to the little theater projects?
29: This is for uh, at, uh, West, Northwest and East and the little theater at Northwest. So it's three media centers and one little theater.
0: I have a quick question of clarification. So South and North had already been done on a previous cycle?
2: Actually, South does not have a little theater right now, okay. and we will bring to you in the upcoming months a design for that. Um, that also was a promise. If you remember, it was the little theater was attached uh, to the opposite end of the building of the theater and was uh, very seldom ever used. So a couple of years ago, that space was remodeled. Uh, and with the commitment made that we would add a new little theater to south. So uh, Mr. Robinson's work with our architects, with Dr. Dane, to look at some concepts that would not only uh, find a location at the front of the school for the little theater, but also you'll see with that a remodel of the front entrance drive that will make it a little safer for students and for people that are dropping off, and that, we'll bring that to you at a later date.
29: And you are correct. Uh, the Shawnee Mission North and South libraries media centers have already been completed. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Uh, one clarification on that last uh, motion. That was bond funding too. That was paying okay. for that.
2: The bond funding for the um, for the boiler. Yes. Okay.
0: Dr. Sinclair,
18: um, is the so? Could I get a reminder on the update of the Little Theater update? What's the status of the some Little Theaters have been updated or some are scheduled? I'm sorry for...
29: No, that's fine, Mr. Robinson. Uh, The Little Theater at South, uh, we're looking at doing the design for that right now. There was uh, not a lot of bond money set aside for Little Theaters, but we are picking up uh, Northwest and we'll do the addition to South uh, as part of the bond package. Thank you. And we are doing, looking at a lighting upgrade for the auditoriums and the little theater both that we'll bring to you next month.
2: Thank you. With respect to that, um, a month or so ago you approved for us to look at um, the sound systems that we have. That included the little theaters as well. So, okay. again, it's an attempt to try to be consistent across the district with, with the facilities that we have for our students.
18: So by system almost within kind of looking at some of the systems within like the theaters.
2: Yes Um, we actually had an architect do a review. They work with our staff um, and again we um, um, approved that a couple of months ago for them to begin to look at designing that work and um, going to bid with that and we'll bring the, the bids back to you whenever we've received them.
18: Thank you. Thank you for that reminder.
2: Any other
0: questions about the motion? none. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. Passes 7-0. We move on to item P-3. Dr. Cothwick.
2: Yeah, so we. Um, this is approval to purchase network equipment um, from Cirrus Computer Sys, uh, Solutions. This is brought to us by Drew Lane, our um, director for IT. This will do a couple of things. It's going to um, Involved our network solutions for Lenexa Hills and also for the, the new maintenance facility that we have. But it also will upgrade switches and equipment all across the district to improve our network. This is $847,733.95. Uh, um, this is a budgeted amount that we have for this item, but it's also part of the E-rate solution. So um, I think is Drew here, I think... Um, this will qualify us um, after we send it in for a potential of a 60% 60 cents on the dollar reimbursement. I think that's correct.
11: That's correct. Right, guys, there, we had a request last month for network equipment to bring these facilities online. That request was for budgeted capital outlay items that are not e-rate eligible. This month, we're bringing the stuff that is E rate eligible, so we're asking for, for this amount. Uh, but assuming E rate's approval of our application, we will get 60% of these dollars back in our budget.
0: Before I seek a motion, any other questions?
2: I might say I had a, a question from a board member in one of our meetings. Prepare would this fix all of our problems? And. Um, <laughs> I have to be honest, and that Drew wasn't there, but I said no, Drew, it probably won't.
11: I, I kind of hope not, because I'm not sure what we would do if we did. So, no, this this really is part of the overall infrastructure uh, maintenance plan that we have to keep our systems up and running. The issues that we have across the district uh, from different places are, are, they're kind of the typical run-of-the-mill day operations that we, we chase pretty much regardless of, of what's out there. This helps us keep the majority of those problems tamp down to to burning embers and not raging fires. I'll seek a motion to approve.
28: I'll move approval.
0: Thank you Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you Mrs. Mack. Any final questions? Seeing none, all those in favor please say aye. 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 Those opposed nay. 7-0. Thank you. Thank you for that. And we move on to item number
12: four?
2: Yeah, The next two items are together although we'll break them out for bid and approval. But this is one of the final phases that we've gone through across the district to provide what they call Columbine locks for the doors of our classrooms for our teachers. It gives teachers an opportunity to lock the door from inside to not have to go outside with a key or find a key inside. And we will be um, replacing those locks in the high schools this summer. And that's, that's our final buildings with the exception of of Arrowhead and Mr. Robinson's in the process of beginning that bid. We'll bring to that uh, that to you very soon. But uh, we're asking for this interior hardware door replacement at Shawnee Mission East, Shawnee Mission South, and Shawnee Mission West with a total price of $438,702. And This also is funded from our bond monies as a part of our security upgrades in our buildings.
17: With approval
9: of P-4... Thank you, Mrs. (coughs) Zila. Second.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Mack. It's been moved and seconded to approve item P4. Any questions or discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That's 7-0. We move on to item P5.
2: Yes, and similar to that, at Shawnee Mission North and Shawnee Mission Northwest, the interior door hardware replacement package for a total price of $285,280 and also from bond money.
0: Thank you.
28: Move approval. Second.
0: It's been moved by Mrs. Goodburn, second by Mrs. Mack. Thank you. Any discussion or questions? I was really curious if you'd ask them on that one if you didn't ask them in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. Seven zero.
2: And I would like to take this opportunity as we have had our discussions around safety and security. Um, to really thank the community for giving us an opportunity to, to take care of our buildings this way. As we listen to Stewart tonight and we listen to all the things that he talked about that, that quite honestly might come out of a bill that would require um, school districts to comply with, I'm happy to say that as we finish these projects we're close to the end of the, the physical piece of it. We have our plans in place um, and as I went through down through the list today, and Dr. Ethan and I have had conversations about this, about the only piece in that bill the Shawnee Mission School District hasn't undertaken over the last four years is arming our teachers. And um, I, I want to take this time to be a, a, once again be emphatic about that. That is a bad idea. It's the way, not the right way for us to attack this issue. Uh, There are many other ways that we will look at to try to solve this issue, but putting guns in the hands of our teachers would not be one that this administration would support.
0: With that, uh, we're going to move on to item R1, and uh, these are two action items that will require uh, an executive session, two separate executive sessions regarding uh, student items. <coughs> um, but before I do that, I want to let you know that those will be rather short time frames. But I have a feeling that this might be a time where some students that have had enough of the fun and enjoyment of our, of our meeting might slip out. So I want to make sure to, to let them know that I appreciate, first of all, how many have stuck it out so far, those students here? Thank you for that. And uh, I think you could even get a, a signature from... Uh, Dr. Southwick, right here to prove that you've been here for two-plus hours this evening. So thank you for that. And with that, but we will be coming back for several additional items after that. Uh, But I will now seek a motion on R1.
19: Mr. President, I move we go into executive session to discuss confidential student information pursuant to the exception relating to actions adversely or favorably affecting a student under coma. And the meeting will resume in the boardroom at 9.30 p.m.
0: All right, it's been moved.
10: Second.
0: It's been moved and seconded. Um, uh, Any questions or concerns?
10: So I'm going to recuse myself from the first section, so I'm guessing I just get to say I'm recusing myself from that, and I'll stay out here. Great.
0: Thank you. All right, with that, uh, all those in favor of moving into executive session for item R1, please say aye. Aye. Aye.
15: Aye.
13: Aye.
0: Those opposed? And that was (coughs) 6-1. All right, we're back at 9.30. You, too, can
2: sign student.
0: Uh, I will sign all the things. we are ready. <laughs> ready to uh, take action on item R1. Mr. Mrs. Mack.
19: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, in consideration of appeal of student suspension expulsion E18-1, the board... Rec- uh, we recommend uh, that we affirm the decision of the Suspension Expulsion Committee. Second.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Guy for the second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? That passes 6-0. With that, we'll move to, well, if we could invite Mrs. Owsley back. Now we will uh, seek a motion uh, regarding item R2.
19: Thank you, Mr. President. I move we go into executive session to discuss confidential student information pursuant to the exception relating to actions adversely or favorably affecting a student under coma. And the meeting will resume in the boardroom at 9.35 p.m. Second.
0: It's been moved and seconded to move to executive session. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That's 7-0. We will resume at 9.35. We will now... Seek a motion on item R2.
9: I would move um, that we uphold the, the appeal or the verdict of the expulsion committee on expulsion E18-2. Second.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Zela. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That is 7-0.
19: Mr. Uh, President, before yes. we continue, I'd like to make a comment. Um, we took two different uh, time periods to discuss um, or consider these two um, student uh, expulsions, and I just wanted to say the first one, we took a little break, (laughs) so that's why it was a longer period of time. It was not that we considered one longer than the other, it was because we took a little break.
0: All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And with that, we'll move on to uh, action item R3, and we have a, a first reading.
16: Correct.
19: Um, as many people know, that it is, now, it is um, getting late in the night, but we are still coming back to our public comment um, task force, and, and we wanted to put this on the agenda for board action. Um, we um, are recommending that we change this specific board policy, and I'm going to ask uh, Mrs. Zila to talk about why we are asking for a first reading at this time, please.
10: We
9: are asking for a first reading because in, as you will notice, in the verbiage there for the proposed policy change, there is a link um, to a public info page and we have not approved what is actually going to be on that public info page yet. And as soon as a, a board policy is voted upon, it is valid. So since one part of this is not yet complete, we ask that we come back next month and vote on this policy
0: questions about this uh, this item. It's a first reading. We will not be taking any action at this point. But uh, any questions or clarifications on this item under first reading? We will take action at the next board meeting.
10: I had one clarification. Yes, go ahead. Mrs. Um, I had uh, some recommended language on which section was it? Um, the guidelines for public comment. Um, Item 3, uh, it's in bold. It says, request for auxiliary aids and services for persons with disabilities wishing to address the I board. I think we're, we're going to do that in the task force. Oh, can are we? Hold on yeah, just a so minute? So far, oh sure so yeah. all we're doing sure. is, the, is, is the one
0: subsection under public comment. So okay. kind of lifted out of that bigger document. That
10: okay. Oh, gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yep,
0: that's okay. good. We
18: can.
10: So okay. it's,
0: it's not the whole document. It's just the one segment of the public comment section.
18: Okay, so procedural questions? Yes, please go ahead. All right, so if I have recommended language changes or edits to this component here or others. What is our, can you please recap the process moving forward for those not on the task force? I
0: Um, will begin and you chime in as well. Um, So we have two items. One is the item that's listed public comment and that's the actual language that will be considered at our next meeting. uh, that could be amended in, in the second reading, but that's separate from the other conversation. The other conversation is the entire rest of the document. Mm-hmm. But Mrs. Mack?
19: Pick- the differentiation is policy versus procedure, mm-hmm. and this is policy. And so um, when we do policy, we can do a first reading ahead of time, and then we have a second reading, and then we affirm it, or we, we vote it in at that time, or we vote against it. Um, sometimes you can do just one reading. Um, but as Mrs. Zila stated, that's why we're doing a first reading and a second reading. If you have any changes um, for the first reading at this point in time for the policy, I would love
18: to hear them now. Okay. It's it's more tone than it is anything else. And so... Okay. Um, the very- this, is, this is recommended
19: KASB language, except for the
18: changes I think Mrs. Goodburn made last time. So... So, you, so, if, go so go ahead. Under the public comments is what so we're so talking about. Just the very last sentence. Okay. Oh, yeah. We did work on that. Okay. Okay. So the very last sentence, mm-hmm. um, generally, comma, a response from a board member is typically limited to clarifying questions. Something along those lines. So generally, a response from a board member is or would be limited to clarifying questions. So something along those The way it reads now, is that really the intent? Generally, board members may not respond except to ask a clarifying question. Is that so? Would you say we typically are not? This is that is, I guess.
0: Can I offer up a a paraphrase there? Mm
18: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So, is the question a concern that the may not is done in a prohibitive way? Correct. As opposed to a guidance way?
19: Correct. Yes. Okay. Understood and
18: appreciated that you brought it forward, what language would you recommend? Um, and again, I would be open to wordsmithing, but I just typed something like generally a response from a board member or, a, or just a response from a board member is typically limited to clarifying questions. A response or responses from a board member is typically limited to clarifying questions. I mean something something along those lines. Anybody have any comment? I mean, that's, I mean, that's.
28: Yeah, please go ahead. Okay.
18: Um, because this, this
19: was, this was. I was having a hardship with this as well. I know we changed it, and Heather, you added some language. Laura, you had added some language. I, I had thought about generally board members won't respond except to ask clarifying questions. To make it even more, sim- more simple.
30: Yeah. Originally, it read will not respond, Correct. and then last month we changed it to may not, mm-hmm. but won't. To me, actually reads more accurately than either of those but it's not prohibitive right but board members just generally won't respond except to ask clarifying questions Think are you okay there?
10: with that language Mary or with you using "won't" issue or with I mean Mary's language is different than it is typically mm-hmm. it changes yeah a little bit to me it changes the meaning just
18: a little bit too much well nope. I, I mean I would can you repeat your language again Mary okay. generally a a resp- I, I would even drop generally. So a response from a board member is typically limited to clarifying questions. If a response is provided, you know. I, I guess I'm just. Are we deterring responses from board members? No, we're not, and so we want to be sh- be clear that we're not. Are we setting expectations? What are, you know? I I think your first. I think I, I would um, say that it it.
19: We want to make sure that we're consistent, and generally, board members do not respond to the questions from the audience, except the only, and we don't give and take with the members. And I hate to say audience because it's the patrons, Mm -hmm. but it's not a time for give and take. And so I would say, yes, it does dissuade board members from responding, except to ask clarifying questions so okay. i I would say yes, it
18: does I, I feel like i'm just i'm I'm kind of raising the point. Mm-hmm. I feel like the language needs to be couched in something with more legal eyes than tone because this is policy right, and there is a there are expectations around this policy, so I would defer to um, i guess more legal wording or or appropriate wording i just am making my point, is it yeah. prohibitive? The language as it stands now feels very prohibitive.
0: And if I could offer what one suggestion, can the word "may" be changed to the word "will"? How does that read?
18: No, wait, that's, that's where we started. started.
10: So, 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 may is
19: old habits die hard. Yes. And, is, that, and that was KASB language
10: from their legal department. So, may is generally deemed as permissive, whereas will or shall is
18: deemed as directive. So, if you're looking for except in how it's framed and how it's Except within the context of this sentence, right? May not
10: that way. sounds right. like, they but it's have still permission. permissive in that they may not. But it's not they shall not. So if it said shall or will, then we would be prohibited from responding. But the may not provides the option. So if you're looking for the if you're looking for the legal eye on it, this is the may is the permissive. Even though it says not, the may implies that you could, if you wanted to, respond but most likely you're not going to. I mean, that's how I would read that.
0: So do you say may or may not?
10: You could say may or may not, if that makes it better.
30: Yes.
19: I like that. I like generally board members won't respond
30: except to ask clarifying questions.
10: But that's the contraction of will not, so it's the same as the directive.
18: But it does seem to have a different meaning, I agree with you. (laughs) I don't mean to or something. A it's our, but it's okay, already why don't we, it is um, open
10: with so May I'm not, so even, sorry, even if you don't include the May.
19: No, 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 it, no, Mary, it bothered me too. I mean, um, that's why it came May. up with won't,
10: mm-hmm. you know. Okay. May. Because I it's, it's
19: not, it, I mean, obviously now we're at 946. <laughs> I think and it's we're fine, doing, it's just and, and I don't want to dissuade people from talking to us. That's not the the point. But if we we would engage with people at this point, I mean, our meetings are for our district business. And this is district business. So we do have to come to an agreement on this. So do you guys want to think about it and then bring forward language for the second reading in April? Does that make Mm -hmm. sense to you?
0: That's fine. This is a first reading.
19: Mm
0: -hmm. We can bring forward an amendment to the first reading. Any other comments or questions before we wrap that up? All right. Thank you for that conversation. With that, we move on to item S1, and that's the uh, board financial report.
2: So um, I think Russ was here. uh, He was. (laughs) He was. And Dr. Aita was, but I will (laughs) tell you that your report has no anomalies, so unless you have any specific questions. um, Any questions from the board?
10: Well, I don't have any questions, but we do have our... our, um, budget workshop this week. So we're going to be sitting down and doing all of those detail-oriented things in just a couple of days.
28: So. Right. Yep. Great. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Thank you for that. With that, we move on to uh, item T, and the first one is T1, and that is task force reports. Uh, we have uh, four task forces up and running, and I'll turn to see if anyone wants to provide an update on the work of those task forces. Yes, Mrs. Mack?
19: Going back to public comment. Um, and, uh, Mary, I just want to say once again, I really want to uh, affirm on what you said. That language is repeated throughout, and so whatever language we determine next time, I think would be good to repeat that throughout. I, those, were, those were great comments. Um, I want to, uh, again, reiterate it's policy versus procedure. So we are, um, the plan is for the agenda at the April meeting to vote on the policy. Now we'd like to continue on with the procedure part of it and try to reach consensus. These are living documents. In fact, the board manual is our own document. So and there's probably some other things we want to change in the board manual as well as we go forward. So um, maybe, maybe I didn't make it clear enough last time um, but there are um, a couple more segments that we would like to try and reach consensus. We don't necessarily vote on it, but we reach consensus on two, number three, number four, number five, and number six. And then tonight before you, you have a new sheet of paper which is entitled the President's Toolbox for Public Comment. So, if you don't mind, I'd like to explain what this document is first. Is that okay, Mr. Stratton? Yes, Go ahead. Okay. As the task force was doing this research and we had these discussions, we recognized that um, the president has a lot of. Um, he, the president should have more information about what they should and should not say for public comment when they are talking with patrons or other speakers um, during the public comment session. So. This paper, which I will read, and um, if anybody wants a copy of it, Mrs. Wintering, I believe, has copies. I know Shauna Samuel has a copy of this as well. But this piece of paper, it is public information, but it's really not published anywhere. It is basically information, background information for the president, so they have that, I call it, in their toolbox for when they are the presiding officer over public comment. Um, When I read it to you, I think you will understand what it says and why Why we thought this was um, a good idea for the president to have. Boards are allowed to regulate time, place, and manner regarding patron participation. The presiding officer may, one, interrupt, warn, or terminate a person's statement when the statement is too lengthy, personally directed, abusive, obscene, or irrelevant. Number two, request any individual to leave the meeting when that person does not observe reasonable decorum. Number three, request the assistance of law enforcement officers in the removal of a disorderly person when that person's conduct interferes with the orderly progress of the meeting. And four, call for a recess or an adjournment to another time when the lack of public decorum so interferes with the orderly conduct of the meeting as to warrant such such action. The president may interrupt or cease speech that is reasonably perceived to be or imminently will be threatening or disorderly. Content-based restrictions are generally not allowed, including prohibiting profane or vulgar language. This may be considered disruptive conduct and can be restricted if the profanity becomes obscene or fighting words. If a speaker's comments are about an individual, staff member, or student, The President should direct the visitor to Board Policy K-N in accordance with the negotiated agreement. If comments continue, the President may grant an executive session to hear charges against individuals, whether students or employees. So this is, as you can see, this is kind of a compilation of the research that was done to give the President background for when and if they do interrupt or terminate a person's uh, uh, comment. By Kansas statute, they have the right to do that. And these are the time, place, and manner. Are the reasons when um, some some basic basic comments about reasonableness, profan- I mean, if it profanity because obscene or fighting, um, and then also to um, honor our staff members and our students, while. We cannot actually stop someone for continuing on about a student or a staff member. We can stop them and ask them to go do complaint board policy KN. If they continue, we can stop them and say, let's go into executive session and you can share your concerns personally with us. However, even in the case of a student, if they talk about the student by name, What we saw and what we read led us to believe that, because it's content-based, we have to allow them to continue. Of course, the president would try to do everything they can to stop anything against an individual or a a staff member. Um, But what we read led us to believe that if they want to continue, they can do it unless they become disruptive.
30: Are there any, com- I, I guess I would, I would offer that to you.
0: Questions, uh, comments, reactions, guidance?
30: So are these going to be published anywhere, or this is just for the president's own personal edification? I would love
19: some, some help on that one, because my understanding it was just for the president's knowledge, so they would have that. Um, we can certainly insert it somewhere, but
9: um, i love some help on that. Thoughts? I'm not sure if something like that belongs in the board manual handbook or something like that. I think, Laura, to, to, I, think, I think the idea was to just have it at the fingertips of the president during the meeting if it's kind of like, how do I respond to this um, if you should get someone who is disorderly or abusive in some way.
19: so It's codified in Kansas statute that, that, you can, that a president can stop a meeting. However, everything else has kind of been um, compiled from legal opinions that we read. I mean, I know you read as much as I, I mean, Deb read it, you read it.
9: And so it's kind of, I mean, these are legal opinions. Um, I think this addresses the manner part of time, place, and manner. Um, And it's a judgment call, and the person who's running the meeting is the president, hence why it's kind of in their ballpark to judge that and, you know, run the meeting as they see fit or conclude the meeting if they, if they see fit.
0: Should the language of the statute be bottom, just for
10: reference? would be a good idea. I have it at my fingertips uh, right I now. I know, but
0: that would be helpful.
10: Yeah. Can we think about this one, too? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Let's think about this one, too, and come yeah. back to this one. Yeah, I, I, this and, is and the first encounter. And that's why... Encounter
19: as as I mean I you know you guys know me I want to get this done <laughs> and so and so I you know I, I things that we can reach consensus tonight on I think there's a couple there's as um, we say low hanging fruit I think there's a couple of things that are low hanging fruit maybe like the the co- comment card we can get done tonight those mm-hmm. kinds of things but I, I you know because this is just coming to you tonight I a hundred percent agree that we should think on this a little bit and it's getting late mm-hmm. um, but, as I said, you know I, it 's not policy; it is part of our procedure.
30: so
17: mm-hmm.
30: I have one more question or comment. I think um, since this page appears to be like a worst case scenario that someone becomes disruptive or unruly, and how the president should handle it. So recently in the news, there was a story about a teacher who spoke up at a school board meeting and was physically removed from the room. So worst-case scenario down the road, if the president asks for a speaker to be removed, can the rest of the board override the president and allow the person to continue speaking? That purely- I'd like
19: to read the statute on that. Okay. I'm pretty sure it, I'm, I'm pretty sure. It, I'm going to look at Mr. Douglas. I mean, I, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm, I do
6: of um, reading about that incident and thought about how we would handle a similar situation. my feeling is that that was I think there's a better way to handle it. Uh, certainly the officers who removed them probably did so in kind of a black and white way if we had a situation where a teacher or anyone was up here with their first exercising First Amendment, and it became so disruptive, and, and that's the key that it, that it crosses that line. My recommendation to the board would be on acting on an instruction from the president. Then I would, and my staff would try to take a few minutes and reason with this person outside. The best thing I think to have happen would be for the board to take a five minute or ten minute recess. Which takes some of the components of the drama out of the room, and then let us use our our negotiating and uh, de-escalation skills to try to talk that person into at least calming down, if not changing the, the, the deal. But I would there's a whole lot of things that we could and should do before we start dragging people out the door. Um, I unless you're unless you're under some kind of physical attack or you're hurt that way that balance with the first amendment is is a very trickery t- tricky and slippery slope but there are things that we could do to negotiate and to remedy the situa- situation without having to put somebody in an arm bar and walk them out uh,
18: Thank you for that clarification I, um, I I just appreciate having the, if this is statutory expertise expectation guiding our procedures I appreciate having it spelled out and having that clear for board members for patrons for parents so it scares me when you say that
19: because it's really the statute is the is the uh, statutory expectation these are just gleaned from different opinions as it has been interpreted um, not only court opinions, but also by KASB,
10: and so which and their staff attorneys. So, I mean, could we just scrap this thing if we wanted to? Would that be? Is there a whole president's toolbox somewhere that touches on all the different policies, or is this just for public? Is there only a president's toolbox for public comment? I mean, is there a whole other?
19: When Deb and I, with Deb, Laura and I met, we we talked about how the president and I just called it the president's toolbox. Oh, but okay. we talked about how it would be good for the president to have this background information because mm-hmm. they are making the judgment call. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yes. So, you know, maybe we should put it in the board manual because I mean there's nothing secret that I recall when I was president of I mean, you're you have you see a lot more documents and you know mm-hmm. but
0: this would be different than an amendment to the board manual. This would this is an amendment right. to the board manual. Right talking about is amendments over here let's hang on to that i would like to see if we can move through item two as an example here
9: let's go item two being another task force no no
0: no no (laughs) item two being the blue card sorry good
9: because i'm kind of flashing back to this as well yeah okay the blue card let's go to um, anybody have anything on the blue card
30: grattan do you see consensus
0: Yes, but I'm going to reference the same thing as what we talked about in our uh, public comment section, and that is that uh, one item references another, and so this one references the guidelines for public comment. Okay. So as long as we're also which is next. See, so that yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not going to ask for a nod on B on, on two until we also move through three.
19: Okay, let's go to three. And I know, Mary, you had some things. And, and also, if we don't get through this tonight, you guys shoot them to us ahead of time so we can all see them. It would, that, would, that would be great. So Mary, what, I think you had some things on guidelines.
10: And I know Heather did. Mm-hmm. And I know Laura has two questions. So I'm in the middle of the, I guess it's like the fourth page. But the bold request for auxiliary aids or services for persons with disabilities wishing to address the board should be made with appropriate advance notice. I just want to change the language to be somewhat more inclusive.
5: Mm-hmm.
10: So um, I would have it read requests for auxiliary aids or services for persons needing assistance to address the board should be made with appropriate advance notice. Um, I think that way we could encompass people who may need like translating services or some sort of auxiliary aid mm-hmm. that might not be included in the category of persons with disabilities. Um, and it just makes it clear that we're here to assist you with communicating with the board, kind of you know, wherever you're at. So, um, I mean, it's not its not that big a deal. We could continue to have it say services for persons with disabilities or individuals needing translating assistance, but I'm just making it broader. So if there's an example that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, it's already covered. I think. That, I, could yeah. you re- repeat that? Sure. Me? So I would have it read, request for auxiliary aids, or services for persons needing assistance to address the board should be made with appropriate advance notice.
19: Needing mm-hmm. and then what comes after. That
10: I would just cross out with disabilities wishing and replace it with needing assistance. Got it. Do you else have any problem
19: with that language? I think it's very really more inclusive. And this is actually the first inclusive language we've had mm-hmm. in this in this arena. So I making it better I think is a great idea.
0: No, other than we're up against that same thing again. We're at the top of the next page. We reference a website.
19: I'm on the non-deleted one. Okay. Okay. And, and Sarah, thank you for telling us we should have a clean-up copy. The other one have a clean copy and an edited version as well. Thank you for telling us to get a clean copy. May I go? Go ahead on guidelines, or
28: where are we on guidelines? Well,
0: yes, well, I believe, Sarah. Go ahead. I
28: have. A, I have. Oh, I'm sorry, where are we? I'm sorry. Go we're ahead. on guidelines.
0: My bad. Bottom of the, fir- the second page under three, we've mm-hmm. done paragraph one and two, and then we've moved over to the next page, and we're on paragraph three, and I'm raising the same question, about raising- we're referencing a website. So is that website current based on this process? We'll make sure that we're referencing a website that does, in fact, exist, that this will be...
19: The answer
0: to that? Yes. So upon our agreement, we will then be putting this on that referenced website. I just want to make it clear that one decision. gets...
19: I think we said at the bottom of that page. Generally, board members may not respond except to ask clarifying questions. I think we're all going to work on that language because I don't think we're satisfied with that yet. Is that correct?
28: I'm satisfied. You're saying. But...
19: Hey, it's it seems an idea. Variance. How about board members? Generally, may not respond except to ask mm-hmm. clarifying questions. Generally, in before the may. What do you guys think of that? Board members generally may not respond except to ask clarifying questions.
0: Does that change? Still better.
2: Yeah. Add something to this just for a minute. We use will or may first, but when you say may not, the word not confuses that. Mm-hmm. No, I can interpret it two different ways. It may not. May not. Mm-hmm.
18: B, if you can... Eliminate the word not. A. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so one other piece here. There's a um, what schools... Come. I'm sorry, I didn't ask permission.
0: Please go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, we're fine.
18: Um, what? So uh, please proceed to the podium when your name is called. Share your name. City of Residency. Um, what schools your children attend, if applicable? Should we insert if okay. applicable? Or
9: if any, whatever.
18: If okay. applicable. Okay, comment. Got it.
19: There's also something about please limit your remarks to three minutes. I'm wondering if we should add a phrase or whatever time limitation the president imposes because...
9: No, I, I think we're good with three minutes. Leave any it minutes? there? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's generally what we're going to have. He could state at the beginning of the game. The president could say, "You know, we only have one speaker, so you know, I'm not going to enforce a time limit like that." So I think, consistency-wise, let's just go with that. In fact, I'm going to address that on section five. Anybody else on guidelines
30: besides the one sentence that's giving us heartburn? And <laughs> talk about why my you, questions. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Do you mind? Uh, so one of my questions is. Um, where are we going to post the responses that people get? We've been telling people that somebody from the board will contact them, and other people have asked how they can hear those responses too, because they hear the question, but they don't get to hear the response. So um, we, I think should give some thought to that. If we're going to send a response to a speaker, should we, can we find a place on the website to post? Um, We've also talked about social media, which is a separate task force, so maybe there's a social media page for the board, just somewhere where someone who was sitting in the room or watching the live stream and hears the question that someone asks also gets to hear the response that person gets from the board. Uh, so I don't know where that might fit in, but it seems like it should somehow be addressed as part of public comments.
9: If, if appropriate, was also tacked onto that, because sometimes it's maybe an individual right. reason or something like that. that
30: maybe. Well, if they're sharing it publicly in a board meeting, it's not a private thing, so I would think the response could be public. Um, and then the other question is if people notify um, by Friday and their issue is addressed ahead of time, will the board still be notified that someone wanted to speak publicly, had this issue, it was resolved, just so we're aware that someone had that issue and wanted to speak. Um, And then a corollary to that, if people want to submit written comments instead of speaking publicly, will those be included in the board minutes?
28: Now, with the when when we just got something today, is this included in the board minutes? The packet no, that
12: was given mind, to us. It,
0: the level of detail might be the question you're asking.
28: If
30: somebody wanted to know what was submitted as a written comment, how easy would it be to get that information? Is it attachments? Thinking, <laughs>
19: the, the problem I have with that, without them speaking to us, and how, anybody could come and say, and about you know them widening the street and then that would be as part of our board minutes it wouldn't be germane to anything that we're doing and they wouldn't have had the um you know they wouldn't have come and spoken I
28: mean, i'm just trying to think of out out of out of the box responses to what you're anytime right. you anything off right. to our boxes at any time there's no yeah need to but do it's it not part during, of the board minutes no it's not part of the board <clears throat> meeting you yeah know, they're just dropping it off
10: well but they're like off, if the information downstairs. submitted tonight was placed as an attachment online? Is that what you're asking, Laura? Like, If we were to take whatever the studies were that were submitted to include and addendum them somehow to the uh, online record of what's available for the board so that you could click and find it.
30: Right. So. Well, and of course, there's some people that just don't want to speak publicly, but they would like to submit, I guess, a written comment as part
28: of a, send us a board letter. meeting. Mm-hmm. or Send us a letter. Mm-hmm. And they can do that anytime. They don't mm-hmm. have to wait for a board meeting. Mm-hmm. And they do. I mean, so, I get, that's my hesitation. Yeah. That's
19: part but if somebody you know submits a request out by administration. Would that
18: be part of the superintendent's report?
0: And I, I'll, ask, I'll offer up a thought. And that is that if somebody chooses to present something to the district to have an issue addressed and then that issue is addressed, many times we don't know of all the items that are brought before the district that are handled at other levels. Right. So I'm very interested in things that would affect us directly, meaning our level of involvement, but we're encouraging folks to get those handled at the level best addressed. And so if it's elevated to the board and yet that person got resolved, I don't think it's yet an item before the board. I almost look at it as though we're an appellate level that, uh, at, you know, there are right. other ele- elements that are addressed all day long at the building level and at the administrative level and only when it rises to this level.
30: Okay well then then my initial question I think is really the only one we haven't addressed is where are we going to post responses from the board Mm -hmm. to? Mm -hmm.
28: Is that would that be part of constituent services task force?
0: Yes, it would be actually. Okay, because
28: mm-hmm. you can refer that to okay. yeah, which, which, you're on the committee. <laughs> I'm on the committee too, <laughs> okay. and we haven't met yet, so no, we have no yeah. report. Yeah, so tag, tag your guys are it. <laughs> so we have no report. I like no, that. just kidding. <laughs> we still have more to do here.
19: But I think those are really good questions, and because we want to know what people are thinking. And,
18: and my understanding that the new website, in talking with um, Ms. Samuel's, is that it's th- that the new website would accommodate addition of information or something you know, as that becomes reconfigured and reconstructed that I would assume we would have input on.
19: We you also talk about, Mary, I think it was you, maybe it was somebody else, because we, we've all looked at other boards' websites and stuff and that there isn't any information about us as board members and to maybe add a little something on the Board of Education page on that, but it's for a different night to discuss. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so anything else on guidelines, besides the one sentence, that when we resolve it for policy, we'll resolve it for guidelines. Is there anything else on the guidelines section? Because if not, i Mr. Stratton and ask if we can go to the next section.
0: Yes, the fourth item, board docs.
19: Uh-huh. Maybe we can come to consensus and change this on the agenda next time. Board docs regular board meeting agenda hearing Heading public comment. Do you see language? No. No.
0: And we spoke to that previously.
19: Okay, then um, board manual, the only only thing, I I think we made the changes that were requested from last time, and then again, it's that last sentence.
28: My question is to the procedure here, because we did actually um, approve this document, and I think the original intent was to maybe for the board to be able to look at this document once a year, probably maybe in July. That was my original thought on this when I started this the process. Board manual? Yeah, the board manual, to look right. at this like every July. So we just remind everybody of what mm. you know what the guidelines are, and then we could make any changes to it at that point. I suppose we could bring it back and make a change now to it, but I don't know whether we just want to sort of agree to this and then put this in the hopper to when we do it in July. I mean, that was always just my thought on it, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it has to be done that way.
9: My opinion on that is that's, that's a great idea, kind of a general overview, review of the board manual. And redo Since it, we're yeah. digging down to public comment slash open forum, I think anything that pertains in that manual right now to public comment slash open forum is okay to be addressed now, and then we can do the general review in July or whatever. So
28: I would like to see the whole document redone and then put on our agenda then for next time. I mean, I think because in July. It, no, I mean, I think that we have to uh, approve it. It's a we've approved it already. We voted on it and approved it. Don't you think any changes to it must be like voted on and approved? And I'd like to see the whole document like ready, you know, there.
19: I, I'm 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 going to speak to that
28: because okay. this is um, one of the major
19: focuses of the letter from the ACLU that we received was the language that we had in our board manual. So like we don't go back when we change a board policy we don't go back and review the
28: entire Well board. no I don't think we're going to do the but whole thing again we're just going to The motion
0: would include the, the, the manual as a whole as opposed to a section from the manual. Is that what you're saying? That any any motion to approve would say the whole here's manual with the revisions approved manual as opposed to cherry picking a, a section and saying Well okay then insert, we could just but,
28: but I think we need to vote on it in a uh, in the main So on, we could put this on, on board action next time? Is that yeah, what you're saying? for the board saying? manual, yeah. Okay. I think, so that, I think that you'll manual, have to do
9: that. Changes to the manual should be voted. Am I, not, am let I me, crazy? Let me, give you,
0: let me give a parallel to maybe make this help this point. If we have a bill, like if, if an organization like a legislature has a bill in front of it, then you can speak to amending the bill through parliamentary action, but in the end you have to vote up or down on the entire bill. And so are you paralleling that to the manual? Like we've approved the manual, so if we're pulling the manual back off the shelf, as we make amendments, we're reapproving the entire manual as opposed to just cherry-picking sections from the manual. Making clarification to your point.
28: I don't know. I mean, I guess, I, I guess I'm just thinking that we need to actually, instead of just saying yay or nay on this, like just kind of like nodding our heads, that okay. this this document or part of this document to amend it needs to be brought back almost like I don't know. I, I, think, I, I think that the whole manual needs
19: to be looked at. For example, we all know now that um, we can all contact
28: KASB attorneys. It's well, not but it, I, I think that, that we should do that prior to July or something like that, I, like in, in an annual fashion, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure we need to do it like now. But yeah, and I would disagree thing. on that because
19: I, would, I want to cherry pick this because of the ACLU.
28: Well I know, like, no, I know, but I'm saying you are saying bring back other things that we had already I mean other parts of the manual. I don't I'm not I'm not asking for an entire review of the manual good. right now. <laughs> I'm just saying but I think we probably knew, do need to do a review of the manual. I agree. Like I agree. And, and, and I'm aligning that with our annual meeting. That's why I'm doing it because it's like, you know, when we do our elect our officers and all that. Mm-hmm. I guess So in are my you mind, okay
9: with a vote on changing the manual to language that's agreed upon? For this particular subject, I agree. We need a
26: review for sure.
9: If on that note, I have one more item I would like to include in section five, okay, um, which is our board manual. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I would don't see in here that I see consistently throughout the other documents is time for each speaker is usually limited to three minutes, stated in here. And I think just for consistency's sake with the guidelines, with the policy, with everything else, that it should sure. be included.
19: So it would go maybe after I have it
9: after the first paragraph.
19: How about in the middle of the first paragraph? I,
9: that's
5: fine.
19: Right after the word I just think it needs one, to be two, three, four, fifth line down after public participation. Insert that line there. And how what would you like it to read?
9: I have time for each speaker is usually limited to three
23: minutes. Do you have any comments?
19: It's kinda of interesting, you know, as we go through this because and, Deb, I agree because we do say that in all of them. But it is interesting. You can reiterate this whole thing in each section every time we go through it. So um, anything else on five? Besides the last sentence. Number six. I think we'll hold number six and we'll work that as um, – uh, I, I, I would like to – this is what you say at the introduction to public comment. Maybe we should hold that back. I don't know. I've signed up to speak tonight. I've already received the guidelines for
30: speakers. We don't have the guidelines yet. Last month, Brad said that he'd like to say more than this because he felt like the people in the room needed to know what some of those guidelines were as well.
0: Like I shared this evening. That could be language that I use that we currently have published.
30: But it is policy,
19: what he under um, guidelines number yes.
10: three. <clears throat> okay. Procedures for open forum. This, like, in quotes, and then make a so that's the actual statement, and then have a one additional sentence that says, um, "Within the president's discretion is the ability to provide additional policy information should he deem it necessary, or she wanted to provide additional. I mean, I think it's presumed that you could provide additional information. It's not prescriptive. It's not saying the president's comments shall be limited to the following, but I
0: agree with
10: that. I don't think that this is prescriptive, but broadening, it's possible to add a sentence to do it. It it is getting late, and out
19: of respect for um, people that have been here all day long, I'm going to ask that this section number six, if you would allow me to work on uh, Mm -hmm. – allow the task force to work on that with Mm -hmm. what was currently listed for procedures for open forum D1 – And then if you guys would get your comments to me about the toolbox and anything you want to edit on that one sentence, then we can do this at the next meeting.
10: Sounds good?
0: Thank you for your work on that. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Any other task forces have any updates? Yeah, go ahead.
10: I'll I'll just give a brief update on the social media task force, which has not met. um, But I had had drafted a social media policy, and then I had discussed it with some KASB attorneys. And KASB's um, guidance on it was to not put it in policy, but to put it in the guidebook. Um, and so, and then they also put me in touch with a person at KASB that handles social media information for them. They do not have any draft guidebook language. They don't have any draft language, really, with regards to social media at all. Um, and so it's creating from scratch, basically.
28: You, you might be able to find some when we go to NSBA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure there'll be some kind of session on social media and boards and stuff. I would mm-hmm. go to that if I was you and then find some resources around the country that you can get theirs. Well, there is the, there, there are social media policies, policies out there that I found, but
10: um, KASB's guidance on it was basically to the effect of we're a self-regulating body and there's no real way to regulate the board member for some reason they didn't follow the policy and so they recommend not creating it as policy um, but rather to provide it as guidance so i mean really the process where i'm at at this juncture is just converting what i've drafted into fitting our guidebook um, and having it not be policy but absolutely getting information from districts who Got something in place and that is working for them, yeah, so I won 't track them no down and find them the yeah, no, no reinventing the wheel if at all possible. Boilerplate is my favorite,
0: <laughs> Great. thank you. any other task force updates?
10: I would just say that the
9: professional services has not met yet. Um, there, I think we have a lot of exploring to do, and we'd certainly like input from Dr. Fulton as well, the practices that he is used to, but we need to check into state law, any statutes that are out there that we need to consider. Where we have it in board policy, there's so there's and you know just practice that we use in the district. So there's a lot of accumulation of information, but we will get there.
0: Right. Anyone else? With that, we'll move to board comments. T, two. Yes, Mrs. Mack.
19: Um I would like to. Uh, I'm as, as vice president. I'm an ex officio member of of the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation, and I just want to say thank you to the members of our staff. For the district wide staff foundation giving campaign. Thank you very much. Thank
29: you.
19: I'd also like to say good job to the Northwest student who did the KCUR event, Juliana Kastner. She was incredible. And I know um, Deb and Heather and Brad and I were all there, and it was she she was outstanding, as were the other members of the panel, including our very own Mr. Douglas.
9: And Mm -hmm. Dr. Southwick was there. And Dr. Southwick
19: was there, but he was not a member of the panel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he was was there. But you were there.
28: Absolutely.
0: Any other board comments this evening? Mm
10: -hmm. Go ahead, Laura.
0: Reverend Guy, go ahead.
30: I just want to commend our students um, who participated in the March for Our Lives. Um, I think it, it was a great learning experience for any student who had the opportunity to use their voice peacefully to um, let elected leaders know what's important to them. And I'm very proud of our district for educating our students in such a way that they felt empowered to um, speak up. And uh, I look forward to having this being an ongoing conversation about how they might continue to use their voices and, and make some change where they see changes that need to happen. So I commend our students and the teachers who taught them so well. Thank you. Let me make one
9: last comment. And just to segue off of Laura, um, at the KCUR podcast that we had here last week, our students did a a good share of the commenting. And again, I think they were very eloquent and found their voice very well. We had some adults that responded, but there were a lot of students as well. Mm -hmm. Just that note. Thanks.
10: I was just going to Basically, ditto Laura's remarks. I know there were several Shawnee Mission students involved with planning the Kansas City March for Our Lives, um, and who sang or otherwise, you know, provided speaking assistance or photography skills or other things to make that happen. And so, um, tip of the hat to the students who are raising their voices and getting engaged, and to the teachers also who participated. And Mr.
18: Muhammad, so, yes, round yeah. that out. He was great. Mm-hmm. And just
0: go ahead, real
19: Um, about to peek at that study. If you haven't looked at the study or know what was in it, um, we were um, talking about what we need to be doing and now is the time for advocacy. Saturday morning um, Deb and Brad and myself, we attended a Johnson County Policy Institute breakfast where there was a legislative update. The legislators that were there said there really is no appetite for a constitutional amendment but I still think we need to be wary of that. They said that there would There's probably in-house funds that they can use to help fund, but at what level, we really don't know. And so advocacy is extremely important, and I want to give a shout-out to Devin, who's not here, but SMAC and PTA and all the things that they do to get that advocacy, the NEA, everybody, to to get our voices heard in Topeka, or else they won't be heard.
0: Thank you. And just to clarify, I was the Public Policy Council, which is made up of all the chambers of commerce in Johnson County.
28: And I, I just wanted to comment really quickly, and I'm really tired, so I hope I'm able to speak. But um, <laughs> uh, we talked a lot about Priority One, the um, health clinic here for the uh, staff and their families. But we also, on Thursday, will be going to Marion Park for yes. the, the clinic that is the ribbon-cutting for the clinic, I believe. is uh, that's a partnership clinic, and um, that is for students. So I, I did want to mention that, that we, we have started that and have that partnership going for students. So
0: Anyone else? I think everything I
28: wanted, I I think everything I
18: was thinking about was covered.
0: (laughs) Well said. Awesome. Uh, Thank you all. With that, we are adjourned. Our next meeting is April 23rd. Thank you.